Hey guys, what's up? It is week 126. This show is going to be probably like two and a half hours long. Uh, I just got back from Cinema Wasteland yesterday, so we're going to have the Cinema Wasteland footage at the very end. Again, always shaky, always loud and obnoxious. You know, these cameras really are the kind of run and gun kind of cameras. They're, you know, they work better stationary. So yeah, so there's that on here. Also, I got lucky enough to get an interview with Fred Vogel about some of his favorite non-horror movies, and I had him in a cage uh, sit down and uh, kind of talk about the Joker with me a little bit because we went and saw that when we were there. So yeah, that's pretty cool to have Fred Vogel review the Joker uh, or talk about the Joker. Really cool stuff. So I guess we're going to hop into this right away. Uh, I do have Patreon prizes this time around. Um, I want to just kind of mention that I watched the second episode of Creep Show. I think I'm going to do this uh, throughout the weeks and, you know, have a little take on all the Creep Show episodes. All right, again, this is, uh, you know, the second episode has two little short uh, movies on there, 23 minutes apiece. The first one was a uh, werewolf story during World War II, so I was I was dead into this one. I was very excited to watch this. I love werewolves. I love World War II stories. There's not enough of them, to be honest. So uh, this was directed by Rob Schaub, and uh, at one point, they used the Creepshow lighting comes in with the green and red. Um, Jeffrey Combs plays an SS, or not, just a Nazi officer. Um, it's, it's kind of like uh, the werewolves. The werewolf designs are all unique and different. They're shout-outs to classic werewolves of cinema. So um, the, well, a couple of the werewolves don't look particularly great, one of them I would say, but the other two look really good. Um, very entertaining, gory, cool little twist. Uh, I enjoyed it. Pretty fun. The next one is called The Finger, and I thought this was the best of the whole series. It's a little creature one, so I'm I'm dead into this. I love little creature films. This is about kind of like a parasitic, not really parasitic relationship, but this kind of, uh, you know, loser of a guy finds this finger, and he, he gets some alcohol spills on it, and the finger grows into a little creature that becomes like his best friend, his pet, but it goes out and kills people he's angry with, and he starts to kind of, uh, you know, he seems to be off, and then and the ending, you know, ties it all together. Really great episode. DJ Qualls stars in it. Does a really good performance. I love this one. Really cool stuff. And uh, this one was Greg Nicotero did this one. Uh, like I said, the lighting in this one's a little bit more like Creepshow. And I, the only thing really missing for these is the music. Because that Creepshow music is so iconic. And I don't know if they can't license it or anything. But they really need it. And if they had that, I think it would make uh, a lot of difference. But they're entertaining so far. All four are worth watching. I think The Finger is the best. So yeah. Uh, really love that one. So I guess we're going to um, hop into the first review, and this is a doozy. It's from Severn Films, and this is... Uh uh, who's it's a producer uh, who directed this one he used to work with Fulci and a bunch of people but it's Killer Crocodile this is the special edition that comes with Killer Crocodile 2 as well and I will be covering that so uh, yeah let's get into this Killer Crocodile I saw this years ago and always loved it it's one of my favorite Italian Jaws ripoffs I love crocodiles and alligator horror especially when they're practical this one uh, is an Italian film if you guys didn't know Gianetto De Rossi does the special effects Riz Ortolani does the music that should uh, make your guys' ears up uh, pucker up because those are two of the, you know, I guess infamous people from Italian films. Riz Ortolani did the score to Cannibal Holocaust. Giannato, Giannetti De Rosso did the score, I mean, the special effects to like the Fulci movies like Zombie and Beyond and all those great and gory effects. So this one, it, it's cheap. It's dirt cheap. It's shot, um, I can't remember where it's shot, but it, it's definitely not in Italy. It's shot in a very, you know, exotic location, probably to save on money, of course, and get the location down. What we have here is this crocodile who's been mutated by illegal dumping of toxic waste. It is the late 80s, early 90s. You guys remember those movies. Everything, toxic waste causes ridiculous things all the time. 
Also pretty much similar to the story of Alligator, the 1981 by Louis Teague, where they're dumping the, you know, weird chemicals in the sewer and it grows the alligator giant. This is kind of, uh, you know, similar to that. So they're dumping into this swamp and this giant killer crocodile is killing the locals and killing people. This movie opens up, in fact, this opened up with like two openings. And the first opening on this, I never saw. It wasn't on the original DVD import I had or on any version I saw. It involves a couple swimming, very Jaws-like. But then it goes into the original opening, which I remember of The Two Fishermen, which plays really terrifying. Two fishermen are complaining about nothing in the swamp, being there because it's polluted, and then all of a sudden this crocodile comes out of the darkness, and it always freaked me out. <laughs> it's awesome scene, and it's cheesy but scary, and I love those kind of movies. So what happens is some environmentalists come in, uh, the lead one played by Richard Crenna's son, Anthony Crenna. They come in, and they want to find out what's wrong with the swamp, and they find the toxic waste. They start to make a stink about it. Um, the mayor of the town and uh, some greedy businessmen try to stop them. And everybody gets the attention of this local crocodile hunter who is in a bunch of these movies. He looks like the Italian uh, Lee Van Cleef. He's also in The Last Shark where he gets killed by the giant shark. And his luck is not so great in the sequel of this one. So I always thought that was funny that this guy got killed by a giant crocodile and a giant shark in these Italian movies within a few years of each other. So he plays this kind of, you know, tough poacher kind of guy. And, and actually, you know, he's one of those guys who's like, we got to kill. You think that I'm just a prick that doesn't like the swamp at all. And then, of course, you know, the environmentalist and the, the jaded kind of uh you know uh crocodile hunter have to team up and stop the killer crocodile um it's scary when the crocodile comes out although it's not that functional it looks really good um i think even for a low budget i know that sometimes its eyes don't move and it looks cheap but it's practical and for some reason that big thing in the water it just scares me i'm not gonna lie it freaks me out i actually love how it looks so that's a plus for me it's jaws ripoff but it's italian and it's super fun and the special effects are pretty decent and there's some some gore and blood in here and they do some fun things with the cameras well the crocodile is like rising up out of the water it's huge and like you'll be in like the the a boat but in the room and you'll see it through the glass rising up and just do some cool unique camera work in here so i like that um there's some special features on here which are nice an interview with Gennetto de rossi interview with a couple of the actors including uh, anthony crenna the other actress tells they both tell really fun stories and one tells some crazy things about being forced to snort, uh, snort cocaine cocaine there and then there's also um, an interview with the cinematographer they all kind of paint the story about uh this producer you know he's not the easiest guy to work with he's not the most the most friendly he could be kind of uh, irritable but at the same time uh Gennetto liked him but Gennetto's had a long and prolific career so you know he's used to dealing with uh, probably difficult types um I would recommend checking this one out it looks really good it sounds good um it's a very enjoyable uh Jaws ripoff and one of the better Jaws ripoffs I've ever seen to be honest um I like the location I like the crocodile good stuff so let's roll that trailer down and kill it, aren't you? Sure, we're gonna kill it, aren't we, Joe? You bet, Judge. Consider it already dead. No. No what? We're against killing of any kind. Our work here is important. Someone's polluting these swamps, and it's our job to find out who. I'm not surprised. Take a look at this. The dyes reveal high acid levels caused by industrial waste. <laughs> Thank you. 
You still think the crocodile should be saved? If I get the chance, I won't hesitate to kill it. It takes a special breed to make it in there. Okay, what's one without the other? We're going to talk about Killer Crocodile Part 2. Now, see, you can only get this from Severin if you buy the 2-disc, and I recommend buying the 2-disc because um, not only do you get Killer Crocodile 2, which is more of the same, it's directed by Giannetto De Rossi, the special effects artist, and he has, um, on this disc, they have an hour and a half, um, uh, like kind of like documentary about his him and his career with a bunch of interviews with experts and himself and other people, and that was uh, a treat to see because this guy is kind of underrated he doesn't get much appreciation, but when I think special effects, I think him. Um, he even went on to do stuff like high tension, and his effects are very memorable and very him. I love them. So uh, we get that as well with the movie. Let me talk about the movie a little bit, Killer Crocodile 2. It, like I said, more of the same. This time we have a reporter who's going to go into the swamp and try to figure out if they did get rid of the toxic barrels, but we have more Jaws storyline where this kind of a businessman or mayor, whoever the hell he is, wants to reopen the swamp. It's safe. We got the barrels out, but you know they didn't. So uh, it has these kind of guys like, all around the swamp uh, acting like they're getting the barrels out and there's these like three asshole kind of bad guys and there's a great scene where the crocodile attacks them in their hut and he breaks through the whole hut and he's giant it's horrifying it's freaking awesome and he takes the whole hut in the river just very very ambitious for how cheap this movie is Giannetto is not proud of this movie he does not like this movie he says I pretty much uh, all the movies I made were crap <laughs> so that's what he basically says I think it's enjoyable there's a really kind of um, mean spirit 
perverted, but it comes off funny because it's this movie scene. In the first one, there's a scene that reminds me of Humanoids from the Deep, too. So I'll, I'll just keep talking about the second one here. Um, it, it's very kind of mean-spirited, and but funny, kind of like the Amsterdam scene, where Amsterdam, where there's a person's body that swings in front of the boat of, like, tourists, and everybody starts screaming. There's a scene, like, that reminds me of that, where this boat of children and nuns gets flipped over by the killer crocodile and eaten. And I'm just like, that's so appalling. If this movie was, like, completely straight, you'd be like, oh, my God. But it's, like, cheesy, and it's fun in a way, and you're just like, oh, I can't believe they're doing that so you kind of chuckle a little bit uh anthony crenna and uh, the poacher come back to try to fight the killer crocodile and this time you know throughout the first one you see the change of the environmentalist i'll kill it you know kind of uh that kind of soft-spoken guy has to become a monster and now he's full go against the killer crocodile i think the effects in this one are a little bit more gory but it's more the same crocodile has a nasty end like the first one very entertaining i recommend picking this up uh the double disc because both are fun both are about the same level of quality and uh you get the Giannetto de rossi uh documentary which you really need to watch he talks about working with stallone and all and rambo 2 and everything and being on dune and uh just uh, it's cool it's a nice story because he starts off on like italian art films goes into the italian gore films makes his way to hollywood so it's a long career he's on here he's still alive and uh it's a really nice release, to be honest. Loved it.
Okay, the next one is from uh, MVD Rewind, and this is My Samurai, made in the early 90s. I had never heard of this movie, to be honest. So I was like, My Samurai? What, what's what's going on? What is this? So I put it in, and it's pretty much, it was released by Imperial Pictures, so you can expect, you know, cheesy kind of uh, martial arts movie, and that's what this is. This is one of these movies where it feels like um, they hired just a bunch of, like, kind of martial artists and patched a movie together. Uh, very cheesy. I would have guessed that a martial artist directed it. Kind of like, what was that really cheesy movie that um, Garage House Pictures put out. Is it Garage House Pictures? I can't think of it where it's like um, a group of people like a dojo just went out and made a movie. That's what this feels like to me, to be honest. Uh, or is it Alamo Draft House put that one out? It's a ridiculous movie and it's a lot like this. We have this samurai instructor. I don't. He's not a samurai instructor. He's a taekwondo, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the definition, perfect definition of a samurai. Maybe it just means protector, whatever. Okay, so we have this child who were, uh, is in his class. He witnesses a murder of uh, uh, these bad guys. Uh, start tracking them down. The teacher instructor get involved. The girl who dropped him off. So these bad guys are tracking them down across the city. And uh, Terry O'Quinn plays the boy's father. Bubba Smith plays a minister who helps him. So that's kind of cool to see them pop up in here. Terry O'Quinn is always great. The stepfather, Tombstone, Lost, Young Guns. He's in tons of things. Great actor. Great actor. Um, and Bubba Smith's fun in it. He gets a nice little role. But this movie is super cheesetastic. When they're running away, they end up going through this kind of desolate, broken down city and like some rejects from the Warriors come out and they're absolutely ridiculous. They have these wigs on and I'm like, what is going on? In fact, all the bad guys have their own kind of style of karate. They look really cheesy 90s bad guys. I swear every character walked out of a Double Dragon video game and ended up in this movie and they're like, yeah, so like it's just there's so many different styles and ridiculous karate guys. Some of the karate's okay. Some, you know, is not perfect. It's not perfect. Okay, I'll leave it at that. Um, but it's fun. It's cheesy. I laugh quite a bit. Um, and I, I, the lead's not an actor. He's more of a martial artist first. But um, there is some uh, decent martial artists in the movie. Um, one of the guys was a champion, one of the main bad guys, and there's this big kind of ogre guy that looks like he just came right out of um, uh, Deadbeat at Dawn and Double Dragon. He's a tall guy, he's got kind of a mullet, he's just huge. And like the bad guys are, they stand out, they're memorable, they're cheesy, and uh, it's pretty funny to be honest in a lot of ways. And it ends in like them all driving up to kill like the kid and the witness and snow. Um, it's nonsense, it's pure, utter nonsense, but I think people that like these cheesy martial arts movies will really dig it. Um, it's fun. It's like it's a failure in a lot of ways, but it's entertainment, entertaining always, and it's kind of cheesiness. There's an interview with um, the main martial artist on here and a guy who did some of the stunts, and he also has a small role in this movie. They talk a little bit about his career, about the director passing away. It's kind of sad. And then there's an interview with the actor who played the lead gang member. And in this movie, I'm like, who is this gang member doing? He looks way too like old to be playing this. He doesn't really fit the role. And he's <laughs> they have him watch rewatch a couple scenes. He's like, I never saw the thing. And he's watching. It and he's like, oh, that's 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 pretty grim. Special uh, <laughs> a martial artist there. And he's like, oh man, I'm not very good. And then he's like, I guess that little finger thing's nice. And that whole scene's hilarious because he's just kind of reliving it and just being like, oh, this is. He's like, he enjoyed his time on the set, but he knows what the movie is. And he, you know, it, it's something that's very, you know, realistic. He's just like, oh, wow. It's fun. It's fun to watch him relive these moments and kind of be semi charmed and embarrassed by the thing altogether. Um, and I believe there's an interview with um, one of the main uh, martial artists in here as a champion and things like that. And he, this was his first movie. So yeah, uh, it's entertaining and it's goofy. Uh, it's, it looks pretty good. The sound is a little off. I imagine that's just the only elements they had, but yeah, that's my samurai. I've just got a few questions that, uh, it won't take very long. Sure. What can we do? You can die. Three people accused of murder. Public will believe anything.
that cop involved. I was waiting for my dad's secretary to give me a ride home. What other body? Now the only one who can save us is my teacher, <laughs> my protector, my samurai. Who's that kid? Whoever that kid was, he's seen us. I'll take care of him. But my samurai took care of him. Oh my god. Even though this is self-defense, we still need to go through the motions. Innocent or guilty. Why'd you kill that cop? On the run from the law, they're on their own. Now the police are out there hunting my boy. This thing is getting out of hand. When your life's on the line, you gotta have your own personal weapon. My Samurai. Okay, the next one is Zombarella's House of Whores, and this is by Tony Mazzanello. I always say his name wrong, probably, but this is the second of his uh, films that he released. He released Metal Noir. This is the SOV Horror Volume 2. He actually directed this one, along with Tim Ritter. So, it is an anthology. There's three films on here, three shorts on here. One, I believe, appeared on another one. I think Frames of Fear or something like that. I do remember seeing it. Um, so, yeah, it's not just three films. It's like a whole all-nighter kind of Elvira-type deal. We have Zombarella, who uh, basically is running through all these ads and trailers and then the three shorts. So what we have is kind of like WNUF Halloween special or that one. It's a little like that, but there's tons of trailers and tons of ads. Um, I'm going to be honest, it does get a little repetitive at times with some of the ads, but sometimes the repetitive wor repetitiveness works with the movie where it adds like comedy elements in there. So I laughed a couple times here and there because of that. Although sometimes it does kind of, uh, you know, wear out its welcome, but it's all in kind of like the balancing that in humor and stuff. So yeah, okay, Zombarella, you know, she's making fun of the movie she's hosting. She says, suck fest, snooze fest. And a couple times when she said, um, I can't wait to get back to Fe uh, Fred Olin Wood's suck fest. I started cracking up. You know, Fred Olin, the director of these movies that they're talking about are directed by Fred Olin Wood, Fred Olin Ray, Ed Wood. So they're kind of like intentionally bad deals. And you know what's funny is the acting in here and the short is over the top, but it's a movie within a movie. So it kind of makes sense to me in a lot of ways. Like otherwise when they do the over the top acting on purpose in some movies, I cringe and I can't watch it. This for some reason it works. I'm not sure why, but that might be the why that it's in kind of an in, in within a movie, you know, type deal. Some of the ads are really funny. They're like the sex uh, hotline ads. And then they have kind of a um, lower expectations dating service type deal from Mad TV. They have people on there that just kind of, uh, and Tim Ritter actually plays like a metal guy and he's like, yeah, if you're into metal. And that always cracks me up because the, the crazy metal heads that you see at horror conventions and just general, there's a lot of them. Not a lot, most of them are cool, but there's some that are just like, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all. Every picture, they're like, got to take that serious face, which always cracks me up. But yeah, so there's that. But there's just lots of, uh, you know, fun things like that in here. The movie advertises tons of nudity and it doesn't let you down in that aspect. It's covered in them. It's covered in new, uh, lots of lots of lots of t TNA, lots of boobs popping out. So the, the fake trailers consist of you know stuff that he did over the years, the director did over the years. Some are really funny. There's like three cannibal vampires from space or something like that. And uh, by the time the third one came on, right in a row, I started laughing. I was like, I'm doing a third one. Lots of um, you know castration, more castration. 
frustration than you could shake a stick at. Eh. But the first one I saw actually looked pretty grueling. It looked pretty it looked realistic. Um, yeah. So the stories are as follows. There's a date kind of gone bad, which, uh, you know, is, is all right. And then there's one by Tim Ritter involving an alien kind of weird sex thing, which is okay. And the last one is the doll about a ventriloquist doll, which I enjoyed the most. Uh, the shorts are okay. They're not horrible. Um, you know, but as a whole package, it's kind of a fun little evening, you know, watching all these trailers and things like that. So I, I kind of enjoyed it. I think it might be worth checking out. It is an SOV. So yeah. And I do think the third is probably the strongest of the bunch. Uh, Zombarella is pretty funny as well. So that's Zombarella's House of Horrors. Okay, this next one is directed by Mir Zarchi, and this is a sequel to the original I Spit On Your Grave. This is I Spit On Your Grave, Deja Vu. Okay, I was kind of uh, interested in this big time because uh, we've had the I Spin On Your Grave remake now and two sequels to that and an unofficial sequel, Savage Vengeance. So now we have this one, an official sequel to the original done years later, which kind of is really strange to me, to be honest. So I put this in and I was really unsure. Kamel Keaton comes back and this is a movie about, you know, having to pay for your revenge. Um, Jer Jamie uh, Bernadette, I believe is her name. She plays Camille Keaton's daughter and uh, Maria Olsen plays kind of the main person, uh, the main baddie, I guess I'll say. Essentially what happens is the people that are related to um, the original characters, original baddies in the old film come back for revenge. And Kamel Keaton has been doing this book tour. She became kind of famous. Her daughter is a world famous model. So basically these two get kidnapped, put out into the woods, and they have to kind of fight off the bad guys and try to survive. I'll leave it at that. Um, this is going to be very hard to say because this movie is really weird. When I was watching it, I was like, is this supposed to be a comedy? Like some of this has to be like a comedy. I'm not really 100% sure if this is a comedy or 100% straight serious. Um, the performances, um, you know in like The Searchers when John Wayne, they show his face when he looks in and sees his butchered family and they only show his face, he doesn't, he just, 
kind of that and walks away. This is the antithesis of that. It's the complete opposite. Everybody's over the top. Everybody is, is you know, is preaching to the, the cheap seats. The, the, the performances are very dedicated and very loud. And some I, some I think end up being, you know, good. And some I think are like, oh my God, that's just too much for me. I can't stand it. And most of that's how the characters are written. I think that, um, uh, the daughter, I can't think of her name right now, she does okay. I think that Maria Olsen, you know, although over the top at times, um, it, it's got to be in the script, there's a couple scenes where she gets to shine in this monologue when uh, they, there's a scene with her in the cemetery in a monologue, probably the best scene in the whole movie. It's probably the best lit too um, because they kind of have this like memoriam to their family members that died and there's a backdrop which is the sky is orange and they're going to kind of, you know, pay respects to their lost loved ones. And she gives this big, long speech, and she's kind of a religiously jaded woman. So, uh, not jaded, but she, her religion's all messed up. So uh, she goes in, and she gives this big, nice, really long monologue, and it's a really, really powerful performance. And th there's uh, like there's four characters, all related to each one. Johnny, they're related to Johnny, Stanley, Andy, and uh, Matthew. So we have the father of Matthew, who also seems to be a little bit slow. The wife of Johnny, and the brother of Stanley, and the cousin of Andy. I'm not sure how these tie up because this is 40 years later. And I'm not sure how the age group would really work. It kind of seems weird, kind of like Texas Chainsaw 3D. I'm like, where is the time phase? Because that guy's not 40 years old. I don't understand. Maybe it doesn't take place in modern day. Maybe it takes place like 20 years ago. I don't know. Doesn't really understand the chronological stuff and going on here in the time frames and stuff. Maybe I Spin on a Grave didn't take place in 78 in this one. Maybe it took place in like 98. I don't know. But it's just saying that, it's kind of it just seems weird. Um, like I said, there's a couple of the characters in here. The guy who plays Stanley's brother is so... Um, his character is so annoying and so ridiculous. And um, it is a very dedicated performance, but I wish somebody would have told him to pull it back because he he's just going. And it's just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I wish they would have pulled his performance back because it's just way too over the top. And it, I don't know if it's supposed to be comedic or serious or a little bit of both, but it's just kind of like uh, uncomfortable, if that makes any sense. Um, there is some gnarly gore in here, but uh, there is some digital that mixed with the gore when it's the digital doesn't look good. But when they do the practical and stuff in here, it looks OK. No complaints there. Uh, it is very long. It's nearly two and a half hours long. So I would say that it probably could be cut by an hour. Um, I don't know where they'd cut it exactly. I think I could figure out some moments. but And people are going to complain about that. And then it's only to become like trite and cheap to complain about a runtime on a movie. Okay, I understand. But still, it's way too long for what it is. If it needs to be two and a half hours, it needs to be. This does not need to be. Um, I think that the first like 30 minutes or so is all dialogue with the mother and setting things up. Um, I, I think Kamel Keaton's performance is dedicated. You know, she's running around a graveyard without shoes on, but I don't think it's nearly as strong as her first performance in the first movie or any other performance she did, to be honest. I think she's stronger in Zalatursica. I think she's stronger in I Spit on Your Grave. Um, and I don't want to be negative on this movie, to be honest. Like, I know that a lot of people have already been pretty pretty harsh on it, but I did not particularly enjoy this. Like I said, there's these spots of uh, really well-acted moments, and then they're, like, ruined by other things where I'm like, oh, wow, like, that was really rough acting. And it's just kind of a mixture. I, I think that... That it, like the performers are dedicated 110%. I think they give it their all. And there is a nasty rape scene in the movie as well. I, I do think that, um, especially at, at one point, the guy who plays Matthew's father completely loses his mind. And it, that was really intense and, and stuff like that. There's like moments of intensity and good performances in here. I think there's a good film in here somewhere, somehow. Again, I was often confused if this was supposed to be a comedy or a straightforward movie or the performances were just supposed to be kind of a kooky small town because everybody in this town is off. There's a kind of a couple twist or a double twist in here. And, uh, you know, eh, 
here. It's just it's just a strange kind of movie, and I'm not sure if this kind of film could really be made in these days or in, in anything. And while watching it, I was almost like, really don't want to revisit the first one after this because I I I'm just not sure it's going to hold up like it used to. Because that movie I used to think was like one of the greatest exploitation horror films ever, revenge movies ever made, and I haven't watched it in probably a good decade. And I, I used to really like it. And I'm just not sure how it's going to hold up, but especially after watching this one. And I, I shouldn't say that. That just doesn't make sense to blame a sequel for it, you know. But I, I'm just worried in general because sometimes movies don't hold up. But uh. Yeah, I just, I can't really vouch for this movie. I think that it's just kind of uh, painful in a lot of bad ways, and I do think there's stuff in there that's uh, worth saving. Like I said, Maria Olsen has a, a great monologue in here, and I thought that she gave a great performance. Like I said, very dedicated performances, um, very dedicated you know, film, I guess, by a lot of people. It's just it doesn't work for me, and I hate to say that, to be honest. I spit on your grave deja vu. Well, that was nice. We got to meet in the middle of the day. Where'd you park? Excuse me, ma'am. Aren't you Jennifer Hill? The one and only. Do you think we could get your autograph? Gladly. Welcome back, Jennifer Hills. You made me Each of them died painfully. But the way you let my husband die, there ain't no way more painful than that. I'm gonna give you a preview to hell. I don't care what you do to me, but leave my daughter alone. What are they gonna do to my mother? She made a hole in my heart. What have you done with her? You're sicker than your mother! I got my mother's cheese. But I ain't got her forgiveness. Okay, guys, the next one, I wanted to watch something special for the Halloween season, and this is 1973's Messiah of Evil. Yeah, this is a Code Red release. Uh, I hadn't seen this in a while. This movie's a freaking masterpiece. I rewatched it. Um, you know, listening to other people talk about it, I was like, I, I'm kind of in the mood to watch something actually scary. And I remember Messiah of Evil being loaded with atmosphere. Okay, this movie is very Lovecrafty in a lot of ways. It's loaded with creepy atmosphere and narration. I know some people think narration is lazy. I don't see it here. Uh, some of the parts I think the narration is not needed, but I do think that in the opening and ending, the narration is damn perfect. Okay, so we have, uh, I think her name is Maria Hill or uh, Mariana Hill. I can't think of the actress's name. But she's getting these letters from her father, played by legendary character actor Royal Dano, Killer Clones from Outer Space, Drum, tons of stuff. She's getting these letters from Royal Dano, her father, saying all about these all sorts of... Well, actually, she goes to look for him, I believe. It's not even letters initially. She goes to look for him at his kind of isolated, kind of like, you know 
I don't want to say uh, lakeside or it's a lakeside or beachside, oceanside kind of home. And uh, she finds this diary that he has written. It's all creepy and he starts to deteriorate and you start to learn about it. But uh, maybe she did initially receive letters. I can't 100% remember. But okay, so she goes to search for her father and uh, she realizes this small area is completely creepy. When she goes into town, she sees this albino person who is just actually kind of terrifying. Um, and this gas station tenant, also played by a character actor, can't think of his name, tells he's kind of, you know, tells her to get the hell out of there because he sees bodies in the back of the truck and it sets up this this really creepy atmosphere in this town right away where you're like what in the hell is going on not to mention the narration opening this thing was probably some of the scariest narration ever if you guys have ever heard it uh no one will hear you scream it, it sets you up that someone has gone mad which is a very lovecraftian thing right in the beginning if you look at read dagon it's somebody from the hospital bed telling you a story how they went mad and you don't know whether to believe them or not so you have that in the opening of this and as it goes on you see what happened and it is a creepy thing in this movie these are actually lunatics in here that seem to be driven mad by the moon because some ancient god which is super lovecrafting okay she meets a couple other people these artist types one guy who's interested in what happened in this town a hundred years ago which involved this blood moon so um right when she walks in she sees him interviewing this kind of homeless guy who knows of the story through his father and it's played by elijah cook uh jr who's in the uh the big sleep so yeah and he gives this great story and it's really creepy and so you kind of understand that there's something happened in this town there's some weird superstitious things going on. It kind of reminds me of Dead and Buried to a certain extent. Um, but this is way ahead of its time and just so impactful and creepy and the atmosphere is amazing. And I would be, uh, you know, I would be guilty of, of something if I didn't mention there's two amazing scenes in here, one that takes place in a supermarket and one that takes place in a movie theater. And those scenes are genuinely how you build a scare instead of a cheap jump scare. Not all cheap jump scares are serious, uh, cheap, but you know, it, you build these terrifying moments. Um, every scare, there's dread. The music's great. It's just really creepy and horrifying. And uh, when she actually faces her father it's just very terrifying in a lot of ways and when the longer you're in this town you start to be infected by whatever these people have as well so without giving too much away it becomes kind of like a bizarre great great zombie film in a lot of ways like and they're like actual lunatics it's lovecraftian inspired it ends on such a downbeat creepy way um, highly recommended, damn near masterpiece, to be honest. Um, Walter Hill has a little role in here, and I was like, is that, <laughs> when I saw it in the credits, I was like, whoa, that was Walter Hill? Wow, that's crazy, crazy, crazy. But uh, I would highly recommend checking this out. There is a, a commentary with the directors on here. There's a pair of directors. There's also an interview with some of the people involved with the movie. They talk about, you know, being offered to make uh, a horror film, and they decided to take it. And they say their inspirations were more from, like, foreign horror, like classic kind of uh, horror and, like, earlier horror, not the 60s and 70s stuff, so. It, it kind of shows like art films from Italy and those movies usually are pretty good. Um, films made by not necessarily horror fanatics are usually pretty terrifying in a lot of ways and some of the best horror movies, which is surprising as well. So uh, I would highly recommend watching this movie. Um, it's perfect to be honest. There's, there's good character actors. There's good acting. There's good music. There's really creepy opening and ending. It's Lovecrafty and it's, it's damn near perfect. Like I said, it's a freaking masterpiece and I was so happy to rewatch it. So uh, Messiah of Evil, uh, great name. And unfortunately this movie, you know, was stuck in that kind of um, 
public domain area, so a lot of prints look like crap. So I, I don't think it got a, the appreciation it deserves or the presentation it usually should should get. But still, it does have a nice, decent Blu-ray from Code Red. And uh, also, I want to mention that so you guys ever noticed that um, the zombie movies from 68 to 78, the ones that were in between Night and Dawn, are some of the most powerful and weird and unique. Like, I know Garden of the Dead's not a perfect movie, but that's weird as hell. Children shouldn't play with dead things weird as hell. Let Sleeping Corpses Lie is amazing. Tombs of the Blind Dead is really cool. This one is top-notch. Um, the Child is really weird. So you had such cool, unique zombie movies. And then you got the Dawn of the Dead burst of Italian stuff. And you got great zombie movies after that, too. But it's interesting to see how the zombie movie evolved. And they were used so differently until Dawn of the Dead. I know Knight kind of made that. And then and then Dawn kind of solidified it but at, with those zombies like that. But there's these weird, kind of really scary zombies between 68 and 77, I think. So, yeah, that is uh, Messiah of Evil. They're waiting. They're waiting for you. And they'll take you one by one and no one will hear you scream. No one will hear you scream! Okay, this next one is by a director. This is his first. It's a short. I think his name is David Bachmeister is how you'd say it. I'm not 100%, but he directed this film called Back Again. This is a little poster of it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get into this. Uh, this is obviously the first time I've been uh, introduced to his movie, as it is his first. It is a 20-minute short uh, filled with kind of horse shout-outs. The main character or the main villain's name is Tommy Lee Jarvis. I was like, okay, we have a Friday 13th uh, shout-out right there. And uh, we open up with some uh, kind of a news, I guess, segment or kind of a story like, uh, you know, framing device by Glenn Coburg, director of Bloodsuckers from Outer Space and writer of what was it, Whacked Films. So he kind of opens up with a little thing like that in the opening. So I was like, all right. And then we have kind of a Burke and Hare reanimator style thing going on where they dig up this body. Unfortunately to them, they dug up serial killer Tommy Lee Jarvis. He wakes up and goes on a kill crazy rampage. That's pretty much the entire film. Uh, the positives, the special effects are really fun, really splattery, really Really goofy and fun. It's kind of that style, maybe a Peter Jackson style, goofy, gory effects. The kill count's ridiculously high for a 20-minute movie. There's eight people that get slashed in here. Some of the gore is good. Uh, like I said, most of the gore is really good. And if it's if it's not good, it's over the top in its way that it's supposed to be. There's a castration in here. Again, a bunch of castration in horror movies, and that looked real, real. I'm surprised that the actual uh, the, the 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 you know member looked surprisingly real in this one compared to a lot of movies that I've seen. So uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, the music is actually kind of cool too. It's a little bit of a thing that got stuck in my head for a while. The sound is a little rough in places, but that's expected on an independent movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool, and uh, you know it's going to be kind of short here because it is a short. It's 20 minutes. How long can I talk about it? But uh, the the horse shoutouts. I almost was thinking, oh no, we're is this a fan film? Is this going to be so horror, like, you know, shout out full, like, you know, full that it gets annoying and stuff like that? But it didn't. And I thought that it was a kind of a mixture of Friday the 13th Part 6 and The Reanimator, which uh, I can kind of get behind. Those are both really enjoyable horror films. And I think this guy is obviously a big fan. Although it is, you know, kind of like typical in a lot of ways, but it, it's never, it does what it's supposed to pretty well. James L. Edwards has a small little role in here. That's nice to see. I uh, always love James L. Edwards from like Bloodletting and her name is Krista. So, yeah. 
I checked this one out. I don't, uh, he sold me like a, a little kind of poster and disc for like five bucks at Wasteland. I'm not sure if uh, other reviewers are looking to review it. He might have a link for you guys. I'm not sure if he'd be selling a hard copy anytime soon. But yeah, that is back again. guys it's hammer time there we go and it is week 22 or 21 something like that 22 okay and we're gonna cover don sharp's 1966 movie starring christopher lee rasputin the bad monk all right um this was the one that was uh padded up paired up with uh, dracula prince of darkness when they made it so they were shot on like kind of the same set same time so yeah has a lot of the same cast of that movie barbara shelley the guy um, who is the lead in uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, I can't think of his name. He's also the uh, assistant to the Baron in Revenge of Frankenstein. He's in this. It stars uh, Paul from The Gorgon is also in this as kind of like a drunken doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's got a bunch of people in it. So, yeah, um, this movie to me, I- I've always been kind of fascinated by Rasputin. And this one is surprisingly more historical, a- historically accurate than you would think a Hammer Horror movie would be. Yeah. So, let's get into this, I guess. Um Rasputin was a historical figure uh, that kind of uh, somehow weaseled his way into like the Tsar's good side by taking care of their kid and had a kind of a supernatural like mystique about him. In the Hammer film, they make him have a supernatural power, kind of like the Purple Man, where he can kind of uh, hypnotize or basically encourage people to do manipulate, you know, like yeah, like yeah. a power of influence, influence kinda. for sure, yeah, yeah. So what happens is Rasputin, right in the opening of this, saves a girl's life. Um, and so you're like, okay, this is kind of strange. Maybe he's not as bad as you think. And then he proceeds to be like a womanizing drunkard throughout the rest of the movie. And that's kind of what Rasputin really was. So it's a little bit more close to the real Rasputin. Yeah, um, Rasputin's a, you know, he's a character that pops up in lots of movies, yeah. lots of times. There's many... Renditions. Yeah, renditions, iterations, you know... Um, He's always a fun character to work with. I think he's in the Kingsman movie. Yeah, it looks like he's in the new Kingsman movie. Yeah, it might be Rasputin. That's definitely Rasputin. There's no one that quite looks like that. Yeah. You know, obviously Anastasia, Hellboy. Yeah, Um, We talked about this a little bit last week. It's also in the Agony, the movie that's like this big, like, epic Rasputin, like, historical drama. Yeah, and so so he's a very real person who um, has been, like, almost, like... Myth, 
mythologicalized. <laughs> and it's just always interesting to me, especially yeah. because he's a more contemporary figure. Yeah. Like our last podcast on the left said that um, he probably would have lived if he wasn't murdered to have heard the first Elvis hit, which yeah. just kind of blows your mind if you think right. about that. And Elvis died in 1977. So right. Like, wow, that's weird. Uh the high point of this movie is Christopher Lee's performance. Definitely yeah. Christopher Lee's performance. Playing like a sleazy, womanizing, drunkard kind of guy. He's really great in it. There's a mm. wonderful scene where he wins in a drinking competition with somebody, and it recalls the scene with uh, Vincent Price and Peter Lorre in one of the um, old uh, AIP anthologies, Twice Told Tales or Tales of Terror. I can't remember yeah. which one. It's like but... a combination of, like I think, the cask of Mon- Montiano. Montiano and the Black Cat. I think so. I don't remember which um, one that appears in, but it's definitely one of the AIP Vincent Price yeah. uh, anthologies, one of the two I named. Yeah, and there's like kind of a scene similar to that in here. They use really cool matte paintings because it's in Russia, so behind in the windows you'll see like these the landscape or like the building uh, setting suns and stuff of all these buildings. and It mm-hmm. looks really cold in here. Uh, Barbara Shelley's great in it. She plays someone that unfortunately is manipulated and falls in love with Rasputin. And has a tragic end. Barbara Shelley, she's been getting better and better the more we see her. The Gorgon, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, and hopefully she's in some more. Um, This director, um, what else did he do? He did Kiss of the Vampire, Don Sharp, I believe, didn't he? Was Kiss of the Vampire, was that the... Cult one. The cult one. I believe he did that one as well. And he, he would go on to do Curse of the Fly. Which I hear mixed things about. That's not a Hammer film, of course. But, yeah. Um, so, I, I really like this one. I do like this one. Um, the acting's solid through pretty much every character. Yeah. Um, i trying to think if there's, if there's any other characters besides Christopher Lee and Barbara Shelley that really stand out to me. I, I did like the Doctor. Yeah, he's good. and Because he has that kind of... Uh, he's a kind of a haunted character. He's a drunk that gets put in a position of power because of Rasputin's um, you know, political influence. And he still doesn't want it because he knows Rasputin's evil. Mm-hmm. It's one of those guys that's kind of has to redeem himself. Uh, I think the character's name is Ivan. He, um, the guy who plays the lead in Dragon Prince Darkness, he's like a reluctant hero here, and, and yes. that's realistic how they portray that end scene, how they kind of poison Rasputin. And I was just shocked how close it was to how it actually yeah. happened. So that was really cool as well. Yeah, like it, like really, all the characters in this movie are kind of garbage people. Well, I do like the guy who actually stands up and does something. Yeah, the the, the yeah he probably has like the least amount of like dubious intent yeah and maybe the uh Zarina yeah and and, and you know Barbara Shelley's not terrible she's I manipulated mean, that's why she's manipulated but she's also yeah I guess she has been she was manipulated yeah, the yeah, whole time yeah. but yeah it's, it's really good it's uh, a great performance by Christopher Lee and it is a horror movie because he literally has powers like Count Dracula oh, or something like that yeah, yeah yeah there's horrific stuff going on and, and I'm not even sure if in the Hammer movies Dracula has that power to you know, hypnotize. I think that's only in the Universal and possibly the book. And this yeah. one, they kind of like, <laughs> he just give it to Rasputin yeah. instead. I, I know it's in the book. I haven't seen the Universal Dracula movies in a very long time. A very long time. But, um, yeah, this, yeah. He, he's, he, yeah. He definitely has like the hypnotizing power of influence yeah. kind of power, like look into my eyes. I'll and, tell you what's not. In the, this is not in the books that we review, so that's kind of sucks. It's not yeah. either. No reviews for it in there, so we don't have tear on tape or creature features to read from. Um, I would say that this looks great. It's in Dracula's castle again. Yeah, right? you yeah, said it, is in, it is in Dracula's castle. Um, like like the window that they push Rasputin out of in the end, he like lands on the ground and you look two feet over, and there's like 
Dracula under VIA. Yeah, you can see Dracula over there. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's but uh, you said what's funny is uh, you had a Rasputin action figure like from McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, it's so baffling to me. Is like, like you just have a Rasputin action figure. It was uh, when Anastasia came out. They like had little toys and should have all political influencers. Political politicians. You get Gorbachev. Gorbachev. uh, You know, like. And like, he'd have like the Russian sickle, like the Russian ah, sickle, and like like, like Ronald Reagan, like a little spot that like disappeared when it got yeah. wet or something. <laughs> when it got warm, yeah, when it got warm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be great. Like, how about it? Nobody knew it was uh, Gorbachev until like he got warm, and then the spot came. And, and then it's the Gorbachev. Spot came. <laughs> he was undercover the whole time. <laughs> That's the only disguise he does is cover the <laughs> comrade, cover the birthmark. He's like, all right, my comrades. Like, what did you say? Yeah, you know, yeah. like Rasputin is just a, just a weird character to have a McDonald's toy. Of, yeah. like, and it's a weird history too, mm-hmm. um, weird story in general. I've it's, always liked the story of the yeah, Last Stars. Yeah. It, it's weird and it's yeah. really scary, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I would recommend checking out the last podcast on the left of Rasputin. That one's pretty interesting. They the, cover him. This movie came out in sixty eight, sixty six, sixty six. Yeah. So I think this would have been. Well, it would have been much later by the time that they found Anastasia, and because I think that's more in the forties. Well, when we put it how contemporary this kind of Rasputin character is, we said like Rasputin was probably born like died like a few years before Lee was born. Yeah, like just and that's what's so weird to me. Like around exactly, Christopher Lee was born in the twenties, and he died in like the early teens. Early teens, yeah. So it's just like, yeah, that's how contemporary it was. Christopher Lee almost was alive at the same time he's portraying this guy. I wonder if this is the first Rasputin themed movie. I doubt it. Can you think of any other ones? Not off the top of my head, but I guarantee it. Especially in Russia, there had to be a few. Oh, I'm sure in Russia, yeah. Yeah, But I I I can't even imagine Russian cinema. Agony. That one was Russian. That, yeah, that but long, how that was after this. That yeah, seventies movie. That movie was pretty insane to watch. You know, Would you three say hour. it was agonizing? Agonizing. Agony. What do you mean? Like agony and like you. Oh, jeez, come on. Well, you're the one who didn't get it. I'm sure you're, <laughs> I'm everybody <tired>. else did. <laughs> I'm recovering from wasteland. <laughs> agony, the life and death of Rasputin. Yeah, but uh, I would highly recommend checking this one out. Lee gives one of his better performances. Never gives a bad performance, but seeing no. him as this kind of like sleazy character. And I love that at points, like he's like, this is a gift from God. But this preacher tells him, no, it's a gift from the devil. And he kind of just embraces it, like his, his powers, you know. Mm-hmm. I would just say, I'd say like four on this. Three and a half to four. Three somewhere. And a half to Probably four. 3.75 out of five. Yeah. So like seven and a half, eight. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. So what's your favorite interpretation of Rasputin that you've seen? He's in Hellboy, but he's okay in that. Anastasia's really fun. It's Christopher Lloyd, isn't it? It is Christopher Lloyd, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to go with this one. I'm going to have to go with Anastasia. This one. That's Christopher Lee. Come on. It's Christopher Lee, but... The, the one in Anastasia is Christopher Lloyd, and he's in like a necromancer kind of thing going on, so I'm like, okay, all right. Well, next week is Let's The Reptile. It's the last of the doubles that they shot. Reptile was shot back-to-back with Plague of the Zombies. Yeah, so next so. week we get to see which of these four, four for 20th Century Fox is the best of the bunch, and this one's on top so far. Yeah, this one is on top. I think it'll be better than The Reptile. Is The Reptile like a creature movie? Yeah. Oh, Wolf and Snake movie. A woman She's snake? like a reptile woman. A reptile woman? They couldn't get the creature. They had to do something. <laughs> we don't got a creature. We got a woman. 
uh, reptile woman. This is going to be terrible. Sold. All right, well, you guys enjoy the trailer. Evil. All-powerful. All-terrifying. Evil to seek you out and destroy. Now, guys and gals alike, disguise yourself from the most inhuman creatures ever to frighten the wits out of you. Get your Rasputin beard free as you enter the theater to see Rasputin the Mad Monk. History's man of mystery. You will apologize for laughing at me. I am not a peasant woman. What are you? I am lady-in-waiting to the Tsarina. What strange power did this man actually possess? A power that turned people into murderers. Man of violence. Terror of a nation. <laughs> Goaded by an insane lust to dominate even its rulers. He has the Tsarina in his absolute power. Under hypnosis, he can make her do whatever he wishes. Do you understand what that means? He must be destroyed before he destroys us all. You will go away and destroy yourself. Man! Man! Putin, the mad monk! Guys and gals, remember, disguise yourself from the forces of evil. Get your Rasputin beard free as you enter the theater. All right, guys, I guess we're going to hop into the questions. Nick Moore, how do you feel about non-horror DVD Blu-ray companies releasing horror titles? Criterion does this a lot. I think it's great, especially Criterion because um, Criterion is like a, a name of quality. So it's like, oh, Criterion released it. Automatic good movie. So like if you, I've ever loved a horror movie and had to argue that it was good and Criterion releases it, I'm like, I win. <laughs> I know that's kind of a funny thing to say and it's not always true, but still. So, so so subjective anyways, but is there any kind of weather that just freaks you out or makes you uncomfortable? Fog does it for me. Thank you. Then he says John Carpenter. Um, any kind. You know, I mean, it, it can be unsettling if you're driving and you can't see if anything, but uh, no, not, not really any weather. I kind of like the different styles of weather unless I have to drive in really bad stuff. So if you were the global king of Halloween, how would you spread Halloween all over the world? Anyone that wanted to celebrate it would be able to celebrate it. It would be a national holiday. You wouldn't have to work the day of or the day after, whichever one we determined. Or maybe maybe we close work down. Everybody closes work down at 5 o'clock that evening. Nobody has to work. And then nobody has to work until 5 the next evening. Sound good? Okay. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have that shut down so everybody can have uh, Halloween for 24 hours. And uh, yeah, that's what I would do. And uh, I would have the television stations play Halloween movie marathons, horror movies. I would keep, you know, spooky things. It doesn't just need to be gory movies or anything like that. We need, like, actual, like, Halloween stories in there, too. So, And uh, we would teach about Halloween in, in school. We would do that. We would teach about the history of Halloween. I think that would be cool. So uh, you can learn about Samhain and stuff like that. Because I, I, I'd like to learn more about it. So, yeah. Answers, what we have. Um, so basically, uh, Peek and Boo has an old answer from last week, true crime stories. And then we'll get into the um, other the other question from last week, uh, favorite movie you had to watch in high school or before. 
from the you had you were forced to watch by the teachers. So uh, Peekaboo, speaking of movies based on real crimes, and also the question of the week, Heavenly Creatures by Peter Jackson, starring Kate Winslet, who might have done her first or second movie. It's based on Juliet Hume and Pauline Parker, two teenage girls in New Zealand who killed someone. No spoilers here. A great movie all around, and the fantasy scenes are amazing. Was not forced to watch it though. Okay, that is a good movie. And then uh, Viper Rose, nineteen seventy eight. Best movies I was forced to watch in school. There was two: The Outsiders in English class, and we got to watch Asperia in grade ten art class. Doesn't get any better than that. Paul Weichel, best movie I watched in school is probably the original Clash of the Titans. Dragon Studio, best movie I saw in school, the remake of Invasions of the Body Snatchers. Um, Nick Moore, we got to see quite a few films in school. My favorite's Billy Elliot. I always found this cute, heartwarming, uplifting family story and gave it gave us Jamie Bell. Uh, I also grew up to love uh, Shabakir Kupper's Elizabeth, starring the divine Kate Blanchett and Jeffrey Rush. It's not historically accurate, but the film was and remains a breath of fresh air that changed the period film landscape. Jason Willard, as far as the question of the week, best movie you watch in school? I have two. In history class, we watched Schindler's List, and in high school sociology, we watched The Godfather. Um, Jason Lindbergh, whore, Night of the Living Dead, non, Clockwork Orange. Matt Pollock, Pocock, in high school, Schindler's List. David Lennon, or Lewin, I'm in the UK, so junior school, Star Wars, slash senior year, Suspiria. Timothy Callan, the bully film on respecting people is funny as hell, dated 1965. Uh, Dagger Renau. I actually first saw the original Night of the Living Dead in Miss uh, Vischer's ceramics class. She asked the class if we'd seen it before, and we all said no. She laughed and said, this is happening right now. You're welcome. She was the best. Daniel Washdog, um, Adam's Apples. Derek Bourgeois, Bride of Frankenstein. Daniel Tatea in high school. Probably Ziffarinli's Romeo and Juliet and Lamette's Twelve Angry Men. After high school, we watched original Prince of Incredible Films. Uh, Jonathan Patrick Hughes, Friday. John Nix, Barton Fink, that's a crazy one. David Lord, uh, David Smith, Lord of the Flies. Aaron Fram, One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest in 10th grade social studies back in 1992. Skip Barber, Fellini's La Dolce Vida. Tom Landreth, Goonies. Travis McEwren, The Patriot or Clue. Alex Powers, this obscure BBC made-for-TV adaptation of Willie Collins' The Woman in White. Really good, creepy, gothic murder mystery. Matthew Hudson, favorite film I watched in class? High school was tough because I don't really remember watching movies in high school. We watched The Final Countdown. I remember liking that. I think I missed part of his answer. Sorry, Matt. Uh, BDG Reviews, The Monkey's Paw. It was uh, some like made-for-TV type thing, but I remember thinking it was kind of cool. But that they showed us in school. William uh, Adcock, uh, my 12th grade English teacher, showed the Zuni fetish doll segment in Trilogy of Terror. Scott Davis, Dr. Strangelove. Lindsay Creecher, I went into super religious school where a lot of kids weren't allowed to watch TV and movies. So watching a Muppets Christmas Carol and maybe even Joni is about the only thing I remember besides science stuff. Scott Shermer, Rebel Without a Cause. Jessica Ellison, Mommy Dearest and Wolf of the Cuckoo's Nest in Psych. To Kill a Mockingbird in Lit. David Anthony Blakeman, Mystic River. Nick Weaver, Stigmata. It was a Catholic school. Nathan Thomas Milliner, To Kill a Mockingbird. David Zavala, my senior year in high school, I had a film studies class where my teacher showed us some great stuff. I had already seen most of the films, but I love revisiting them. We watched Assault on Precinct 13, The Thing, Warriors, Brick, Army of Darkness, Better Off Dead, Blood Simple, and some more cool stuff. Most of my classmates didn't appreciate it, but I had a great time. Connor Gorman, Coffee, Forrest Gump. Now, I don't know if that's uh, Connor Gorman Coffee or you watch Coffee and Forrest Gump. I think it's Coffee's his last name, Forrest Gump. Uh, Koi Vega, I think the only film I had seen in class was One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest. 
Andre Scott, Jaws, Empire Records, Arsenic and Old Lace, all in my high school film class. Stephen W. Simpson, The Wild One. Sigmund D.A. Sea Monster. Red Pavement. Deborah Pike Sleeper, Independent Film, Psychos in Love. Nick Anderson, The Exorcist. Shaheen Barbarian, in sixth grade, my teacher screwed up and showed us End of Days, thinking it was religious movie appropriate for tweens. It was hilarious. Anthony Edward Curry, The Outsiders. Matt Brown, it's a toss-up between One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and The Shawshank Redemption. There was always far too many notable films to choose from. Okay. Peter Englund, love your schools. We never had films showing over here in the Netherlands or school. Oh. Don Ed Adams, I think it was an anti-drug short where foreigners sang Jukebox Hero. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer Hellstrom, uh, Apocalypse Now. Took my class uh, my junior year called the 60s. Brandon Motley, Sybil, and Color of Night. Corey Walter, my history class in 8th grade showed Gangs of New York and American History X. Both were amazing. We had that get a permission slips filled out to watch them. Lisa Marie Cart, I remember watching Logan's Run. It was fantastic. Uh, Manuela Motter, The Usual Suspects. Um, I'm not sure if she understood the question. Um predator watched it five times i i mean i know her she was a friend of my mom's i, I don't know if those we were in high school when she was there so okay alan mcneil day of the triffids Derek donna king the scarlet letter not the debbie moore version nick wachowski the hitcher with rugger howard rachel weicker watched it uh talking to nick watched that a hundred times with you it's a good one um she puts i always love the breakfast club uh marine kern fairbaron grease the exorcist or deliverance that's some that's some crazy high school watching there. Jim Werner, imagine being 12 years old in 77 when Star Wars de uh, debuted. No brainer. Uh, Kevin Sattler, The Blob, the original one. Corey Billings, Lord of the Flies, definitely stuck with me. Uh, Michael Anderson, Sergeant York is the only film I remember ever watching. We watched it at least once a year, every year from grade school until I graduated high school. Emil Johansson, can't remember the best one I did, but I did watch Meet the Feebles a shit ton of times. In high school? Uh, Matt Bolin. I was kind of a Philistine till college, but running scared Paul, starred Paul Walker was my shit and is still super underrated. Mr. Ramon, 420. Well, if you're talking about legit watching a film in high school, then it's got to be Schindler's List. In grade school, it was The Land Before Time. Littlefoot was the motherfucking dinosaur and cute as fuck. The Dingus. Got to go with Pulp Fiction. It was a game changer. And then, uh, oops, I think I lost two reviews, actually. Um, two other ones. I can't remember. Uh, geez, there was, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Yeah, that is it. Sorry, guys. So, because um, I thought there was more on the other sheet. I guess what I'm going to do now is uh, ask you guys the question of the week for next week. I want to know, um, since we have the convention footage, what is your favorite convention, uh, movie, uh, kind of exploitation convention, whatever, whore, and one, your favorite memory from said convention. Let's do that. And then I guess we're going to hop into the update. Okay, this is the Cinema Wasteland update, so it's pretty big. We'll start with the uh, poster, just a little mini poster thing from Her Name is Krista. Pretty cool. That's the only way I can get the whole damn thing in the shot. So, yeah. And then I'll start with some shirts. I also got the shirt I was wearing, this cool Hellraiser shirt, but I got some other stuff. Uh, got this one for free with buying some stuff. It's a High on the Hog shirt, if I can get it open for you guys. Yeah. R.I.P. Sid Hag, legend, you know. Uh, got this for buying a couple things. I know Ellie Church and Sid Hager in this movie, so I'm going to check it out when I can. Yep. Cool. And then we got a couple cheap toe tag shirts. They had a sale. Pretty good sale. It was, uh, like five bucks a shirt. Got a Jack Price shirt. A Jack Pierce shirt. Jeez. Special effects artist, you know. Did, like, the original Wolfman. Classic artist. So, yeah. A special effects artist. And then we got... Another toe tag shirt. I actually think I had this one. No, I didn't, but uh, 
yeah, we have an August Underground Trilogy shirt. So, cool. Can't pass on the price on those. And then we're going to hop. I hit the damn speaker, so it probably got real loud right there, guys. <laughs> and then we got some uh, Blu-rays. We'll start with them. We got uh, The Daytime Ended. I've never seen this. This is by the same guy who did Kingdom of the Spiders, so Full Moon Blu-ray. Why not? Looks fun. Yeah. What, Bud Cardos? Then we got Head of the Family. This movie is nonsense. It's so stupid, but I enjoy it in a, all kind of a weird way. Head is better in high definition. Okay, yeah. Silly movie. Fun. And then we have Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. Never seen this. Big movie. Big production. Big girls. Yeah. I don't know if this is any good. It had monsters in it. Looked fun. And then we have the only one that's not from Wasteland in this stack, The Descent. Uh, it was pretty cheap. Original director's cut. Wanted to check it out after listening to Exploding Heads cover it. I haven't seen this movie since it came out. So, yeah, looking forward. Oh, a classic, if I remember correct. Then we have one from Synapse, The Undertaker, or just Undertaker. Japanese zombie movie, black and white. Looked really cool. I love zombie films. You guys know that. So, uh, especially unique, different ones. So, yeah, why not? Gonna check this out ASAP. Then we have... Uh, the Paganini, I always gonna say that wrong, or uh, Paganini Horror, which is from Severn. This is released early. It's got uh, Daria Nicoloni and Donald Pleasance in it. I'm looking forward to checking this out ASAP. Uh, this is a movie that's always been on my radar, but I never got a chance to see it. So, yeah, cool, cool. And then we have uh, Parasite 3D, uh, Charles Band movie. Debbie Moore's in here. Yeah, haven't seen this in years since the DVD. It's got a lot of stuff on here. Why not, right? I think it even has it in 3D. Love that. Then we got Nightmare Beach, the Umberto Lenzi movie with John Saxton. Uh, Michael Parks is in here as well. I can't remember. There's somebody else in here too. This movie's fun if I remember. It's been a while. I remember really liking this one. So yeah. Sleazy. I remember being sleazy and fun. And then we got Baby Blood. Really cool movie. French horror movie. I haven't seen this in years. I always liked this one. Parasitic relationship. This woman has this like parasite in her belly and it's having her kill cool cool film weird and then we got tough turf this looked cool to me sounded cool james spader kim richards robert downey jr kind of a gang movie definitely into gang movies never seen it and soon the darkness always wanted to see this one british kind of thriller i know it was remade i never seen this one is it a british thriller uh Looks like Robert Foose. Didn't he do the uh, Vibes movies or the second Vibes movie? I can't remember. But I, I definitely want to check this one out for sure. Then we got Wanted, Dead or Alive with Rugger Howard. Um, this is one I have never seen as well. Uh, it was a cover that I always seen as a kid. I just never checked it out. Looks fun. Gene Simmons is the bad guy. So, yeah. Can't, can't pass that up, right? Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. This is Michael Pataki in it. Directed by Albert Band. I love his ghoulies too, so this is one I had on DVD but never had a chance to watch. So yeah, can't wait to check this out. Looks cool. Those are all Kinos. And then we have The Devil's Kiss. Uh, this looks interesting. I like uh, you know the redemption titles, so why not grab this one? Looks cool. Not heard much about it. Then we have from Arrow. This was here. This is damn cool. This is the Old Boy box set. Sympathy for Miss Vengeance, Lady Vengeance, and Old Boy. Yeah. All three movies on here. Looks like a collector's edition. Looks slick, man. Can't wait to watch this. 
Then we have a Closing Time. This is Jim Roberts' new movie. Yeah, on Blu-ray. Excited to check it out. Dug a lot of his stuff. Gory, low budget, fun. Yeah. Then we got From Beyond the Grave. Amicus Anthology. Um, I saw this half of this as a kid and never finished it. I, it not because it was bad, just because you know you're a weird kid. It's got Donald Pleasance and um, freaking David Warner in it. So yeah, I'm totally into this. Peter Cushing's in it. Yeah, I, I gotta watch this ASAP. Perfect Halloween viewing or October viewing. Then we got Foes. Oh, I bumped the camera. Sorry, my big chin. Foes. This is a Agfa or Ag, yeah Agfa films. Uh, I don't. I've heard not much about it, but it sounds interesting to me. To be honest, yeah. Oh, it's Garage House Pictures. My bad. I thought I could have swore this was Agfa. I'm glad it's Garage House Pictures. I actually um, enjoy what they do as well. So, yeah, cool stuff. Then we have Torment from Honored Films. I wasn't sure about this one, but I saw it there, so I grabbed it. I don't know how. It looks pretty crazy. I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy it, uh, but I was willing to give it a swing. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Emmanuel in America, if I can pick it up. Yeah. Uh, the Manuel movies. I heard this is one of the most sleazy ones. This is a Mondo Macabro, one of the special editions ones. I love Mondo Macabro. I think that they're a totally underrated company, to be honest. So, yeah, good stuff. And we have Cyborg, the collector's edition. Can't pass up Jean-Claude Van Damme for 15 um, this is the third Blu-ray I have of this movie, and I haven't watched this movie since I was a kid. I used to love it as a kid. I'm worried I won't enjoy it as much, but yeah. Yeah, Cyborg. Fear No Evil. I haven't watched this since I was a kid either, and I didn't care for it that much back then, but um, I, I figured that I'd give it another chance. So, yeah, I really wanted to recheck it out. I don't know why, so fear no evil. Then we have 10 to Midnight, the special edition. Love this movie, Charles Bronson. Can't go wrong. Love it, love it, love it. Good stuff, and I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into those special features. Then we have... Uh, Carcinoma. Carcinoma. This is a Dora movie. I wanted to grab this one too, but I was uh, leery on it. Finally grabbed it with the slipcover. I'm sure this is intense. His movies are intense. I've only seen Voyage to Agathis, and that was in, is insane. And then we have Hero Shed No Tears. This is a John Woo war movie. I gotta see. I When I saw it, I was like, I gotta have that. Um, I wanted to see this one for a while since the Blu-ray, and I just did ever got a chance to buy it or check it out or anything like that. So yeah, this is uh, Who Does This? Um, Film movement, yeah, so it looks cool. Then we have The Devil Within Her, uh, Joan Collins, Donald Pleasance, yeah, Carolyn Monroe, so can't go wrong with that. This is a Scorpion, never seen this movie, had the DVD, wanted to check it out, love Donald Pleasance. I think it's a Rosemary's Baby type deal, but yeah. And then we have a couple more Blu rays, Await Further Instructions uh, from uh, Dark Sky, wanted to check this on, one out. Heard the, the plot sounded really cool. And I like a lot of Dark Sky stuff, so yeah. And then we have Skeletons in the Closet. Um, Tony Walsh, just the director, was there. And uh, yeah, he was selling these. has Ellie Church in it. I saw this. I think it's on Amazon Prime, but uh, I like my uh, hard copies, so I wanted to check it out. Yeah. Then we have The Rake, which is another movie by Tony Walsh. I've not seen this. Um I actually kind of like the little trailer he had on there. It had cool practical effects on it. It's a slip cover. That looks cool. I like the the slip cover cover way better. So yeah, I don't I don't know how this is. I was hoping that he'd have a Blu-ray, but uh, I guess Sony only put this out. So yeah, that's the rake. 
Then we have another DVD, Do It Yourself. Uh, no Enter, No Escape. This is an exploitation film. It's Greek. I never heard anything about it. Don't know much about it. Looks interesting, though. Yeah. And then we have The Bleak by um, James Bell. This looks crazy. His movies are always cool. Uh, SOV-style stuff. Really weird, really bloody, really gory. Uh, yeah, James is cool, dude. Yeah. And then last, we just have the uh, little burned on the uh, demand disc, the back again. So, yeah, um, I had a great time at Wasteland. It was a blast. Uh, like I said, I got some interviews done. And this should be, um, you know, the footage and the interviews with uh, Fred Vogel coming up whenever. So, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. All right, hey, guys, what's up? I'm uh, Mr. Parka. We're here to talk about The Joker a little bit and bullshit with Fred Vogel about some other movies that aren't horror movies for once. So, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, yeah, I'm Keith Hoyt Jr., directed Army and Lust. I've been on Dave's channel a lot. I'm Fred Vogel. I directed August Underground, and my newest film, The Final Interview, is playing film festivals right now. All right. So, The Joker, Todd Phillips' movie. Uh, yeah, well, I guess this one's got a lot of buzz, unfortunately, and it's that bad kind of buzz where it's like polarizing, where like no matter what you say about the movie, you're going to think you're just saying it because you're on one side of the political spectrum or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Let's just talk about the movie. Cool. I'm, you know, I was kind of excited when I heard uh, Todd Phillips was directing yeah. the Joker movie because, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, Todd got to start doing, like, documentaries. Yeah, yeah. You know, Hated and... G.G. Allen Doc, yeah. G.G. Yeah. Yeah. Allen Doc and uh, Frat House, which was one of the documentaries that he did that kind of got never seen before. What's, Have you ever seen it? I've never, seen, I've never heard Frat House. What's that one about? Frat House, Todd Phillips kind of, like, went underground into, like, the fraternity scene and, like... Did a documentary about the hazing yeah. that goes on in fraternities, oh, shit. and I think it was for an HBO. I think it was for HBO. And uh, what happened was, is it, it, the the fraternity they were like, "Oh, cool, you can come do it," and then they were like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." So it never saw the light of day. But I've seen it. There's like bootlegs. Well, out well there, no, so. I mean, also like a big. When did that happen? Where they uh, a hazing and shit became illegal, like Hell Week and shit became yeah, illegal yeah. at a certain point. I mean, it's pre- it's pretty intense. But yeah. you know, Todd was in. He they he was getting hazed. Like he yeah. was he was in there. So it's pretty cool. I mean, you could find it if you really look for it. You know, but uh, I had a ch- I had a chance <laughs> to see it. I bet Cinemageddon has it. Yeah, but also, I mean, that's kind of funny because he went when he did old school later on. Yeah, in the frat house movie, with more oh, comedic. Yeah, guys, that's truly. Yeah. You know, but, you know, comedy was kind of where he, yeah. you know, really shined and definitely made his money. Um, so when he was, uh, when he got the Joker, I was just like, wow, Todd Phillips is a really interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. But what I thought was really cool about this choice of using Todd Phillips was, you know, he's a New York guy. Yeah. And, you know, from the look of the Joker, oh, you yeah. know, it is New York. It is like he, 70s New York. He's definitely got that nostalgia for 42nd Street, kind of grimy New York City from Absolutely. the 70s. And that's exactly Let's, what this movie yeah. is. And the first thing about the movie is, I think the major, there's two major positives for me. Joaquin Phoenix's performance mm-hmm. and the look of it. It's a beautiful looking fucking movie, no matter oh, what you say. So I think anybody says this movie's bad just on the story or anything, you're wrong because even the look is perfect. No, and, and the, I think the look of the movie is, 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 it really helps the storytelling, too. You know, like having it set in that time. Because it's, you know, it's definitely not now. Oh, no. Because yeah, if you look at the not. production vehicles, like the taxi cabs and yeah. things like that, it's definitely like late 70s, either early 80s. So, uh, and, and it was just a different time back then, and it just makes it feel grimier. Feel more authentic. Yeah. Because it's a story from the 70s. It's, it's straight Taxi Driver, Death Wish, yeah. all those kind of 70s vigilante or gritty kind of stuff. And Very, very yeah. Taxi Driver. Even, there was a music cue in there. I don't know if you might have realized it or not. But it, uh, 
it was like the same like almost ending music from Taxi Driver and it was when he was sitting there and just like oh that was the shout out yeah, to Taxi Driver yeah, yeah, yeah. not spoiling oh, too oh, much oh for sure did you notice the, um, I'm just gonna say Pogos did you notice that yes the shout out to Gacy yeah. with the clown I was like oh shit that's yeah. pretty unique yeah no I, I I really liked it I thought the movie was uh, was definitely a solid film and I think you know one of Todd's best best films you know, like his comedy stuff's great. Like, you know, I'm not going to take anything away because he definitely like yeah. broke ground and like created that whole new style of comedy with like The Hangovers, and, yeah, and things like that. But you know, he uh, he took the material, the DC material, and really made it his own. And I, I think it was a breath of fresh air for us, yeah, people who love the, the story of Batman, love the story of the Joker, even though it was a different twist on the Joker, you know, but. Uh, it's. Uh, I thought it was refreshing for me because yeah, yeah. I love dirty sleazy movies. Me See, too. I'm. <laughs> I'm not a fan of of Batman or comic book movies really, but I thought it was cool. It actually had more Batman stuff in it than I thought that it was gonna have. Now, do you guys think it would have been better if it wasn't involving the Joker at all? Or do you, I know it wouldn't have got any recognition of the budget. It's kind of funny how you have to kind of like tie in a, a superhero to get your movie made into like, I want to make a 70s, like kind of almost vigilante movie, gritty movie, but I have to tie it to something else, some other like, you know, big title or something just to get it made. And do you think it would have been a better film overall if it didn't involve the Joker? It wouldn't have had the buzz, but. No, I, it needed to be the Joker. Yeah. Because it had the, you know, especially the third act of the movie. Like, that third act of the movie. Like, so how I felt when I saw the movie was. You know, the first act of the movie, I'm like, wow, Joaquin is doing an amazing job performance-wise. This is really great, but it's a little slow. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they started to pepper in a little bit of, like, the Batman mythology. And that's when they started getting a little bit excited. You know, Thomas Wayne, Gotham, things like that. By the time we get to the third act of the movie, I mean, Joaquin is full-blown. Yeah. It is, uh, my jaw was on the floor in a great way. Yeah, you know, and I, I didn't think anything was like so over the top to where it just wasn't believable. Yeah, it was totally believable, and it was total exploitation. Oh yeah, it, it yeah. hits that point. But you know, also like I never saw King of Comedy, but I, I see the comparisons with having De Niro in there as that kind of character, like the Jerry Lewis character, and having that admiration, admiration towards that character, and being like it, it was like a lot like those movies. It's and it, it was weird. It even had the Scorsese like needle drops. Well, he needed De Niro. Yeah. Like, it's a New York movie. Yeah, De Niro yeah, is yeah. a New York actor. Like, he, yeah. you know, like when you think of Robert De Niro, when I think of Robert De Niro, I think of a New York actor. I think of Mean Streets, taxi, taxi Driver. driver. Yeah. Um, you know, he does the Tribeca Film Festival. I mean, like, yeah. De Niro is New York. New York. Yeah. And Gotham was New York yeah. Yeah. circa 1979. It was uh, William Lustig's New York. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, it, it was enjoyable. There's a couple moments that I was wondering, like the train scene. I think they could have built... And the funny thing is, like, it needs to be cut at the same time, but I felt that could have gone a little slower with those Wall Street guys and showed them a little bit more to flesh out, kind of like the movie The Incident. Have yeah. you ever seen that on the train? I was like, I feel like that would have been the right way to handle those guys. And my, I, mean, I shouldn't be spoiling too much, but I think the one weak actor in the movie was the, the main um, kind of, like, antagonist on that subway who yeah. was, like, sung the, the song. I was like, that just seems very awkward, and it was just kind of forced in there that it needed an actor who could ease that in better you know those guys it, it could have been done a different way yeah. you know just something like, like throwing more food at her or yeah. just more you know more picking yeah at her more building you know build that up a yeah. little bit um and because you know we already know uh the joaquin's character is off yeah yeah so um you know you're waiting for something to happen 
And we already know that he, he can get his ass kicked, too, because, oh, like, yeah, you yeah. know, he gets... He got kids. Kids kick his ass. <laughs> and that's weird, too. Like, I know people are trying to make this, like, a political thing. Like, oh, this is for incels, and I don't really think he's an incel. And and then I also... It's a, it's an eat the rich story. It's not a typical... You know what I mean? It, it can be bended any way you want, but I don't see it bend one way or the other. Yeah. I don't see a political agenda, really. No, well, you know, we live in a society right now where you want to try to find that. Yeah. You know, and point a finger at that. Yeah. You know, again, this movie is exploitation. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I really hope Todd felt that way when he was making it, and I really hope that, you know, when Todd was making this movie and he was talking to his camera crew and his, you know, the people, like, I want to make an exploitation movie. But the funny thing is about old exploitation movies, sometimes they pack a stronger psychological punch than the exploitation movies now. I mean, like, things like Toys Are Not For Children mm-hmm. or even The Witch Who Came From The Sea, like, those are exploitation movies, but they're or Cannibal Holocaust. Those are psychologically damaging movies that actually dive into and kind of unveil people's psychology and stuff. And you're like, this is more deep than any Hollywood drama could ever do. Well, it definitely damages, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, think about it. Like, I mean, like, first, you know... You know, the Joker character was definitely damaged, yeah. and it's like he has no time to come up for air because every time he tries to, there's something there pushing him back down. You know, when he yeah. ever, he, he sort of, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to give away spoilers yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, but like, you know, just when he thinks that something good's going to happen, you know, there's yeah. somebody there to be, you know, there to push him right back down and keep, you know, the more you push somebody down, the more they're going to get ready to burst, and when they come up for that air, <gasps> And, and just explode, and that's when those moments come. And I think they were done really, really well. Indeed, I don't think anyone could watch that movie and idolize that character. No, like there's no. Uh, he doesn't. He's not cool. You know what I mean? He's just well, like, he's just <sighs> fucked up. And that's the one problem. Is like, yeah, I have trouble sometimes with characters. Like you start to blame the movie for the fan base. People obsessed over a character like the idolized scumbags, and it's the same thing. Yeah. Like everybody's interested in serial killers, but when you start to idolize them, that's when it becomes a problem. Like we're all interested in the cases and everything like that. When you start to idolize them, that's when it becomes a problem, and it, it's just like I, it's so hard to sometimes separate that, especially when people are constantly making you trying to make you feel guilty for enjoying something, a movie. I make my movies about yeah. not idolizing those kind of people. Yeah, yeah exactly. August Underground. You're not supposed to idolize, you know, these killers. Yeah. My new movie, The Final Interview. Yeah. Which, I don't know about you guys, you guys both seen the movie, yeah. you're both in the movie, yep. yeah. but, you know, there was some dialogue with De Niro, when, you know, when they're on the set, when um, the Joker is on the De Niro yeah. set, there's some of that dialogue really reminded me of the final interview. The the, the back and forth, the, the, yeah. Yeah, and it, I was, it does, you know, yeah. because, you know, they're... You know, the character in the final interview is, is is kind of a broken person, just like the Joker character. And it's it's like um, the Mark Maron characters, like Let, let's cut this. Where yeah. in the final interview they're like, let's t-, and no, Gra- no. Granger's like no, media like, exploitation. That one yeah. scene they show all the cameras and everything yeah. exploding. But there's also, do you think it's dangerous, like making somebody like the Joker sympathetic? I mean, it shouldn't be dangerous, but people are stupid. I don't really think he is sympathetic. He's sympathetic to us in the very beginning. They're trying to make him at least a little bit sympathetic. You feel bad for him at first. If he wasn't the Joker and he was, you know, well, Travis, you'd feel a little bit bad. Well, for him. you know, well, like, that's where they do those things, you know, with you know, showing his weight loss, you know, not looking healthy, yeah. you know, the constant cigarette smoking, you know, all that stuff is, you know, now in the society that we live in in 2019, all that stuff's bad. Yeah, you know, cigarettes are bad. You know, not taking care of your body is bad. So, like, you know, we're you're seeing these things. I know, like me personally, like when I saw Joaquin as thin as he was. 
I'm just like, ooh, I don't even want to look at this guy because it was it's making me uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's the motherfucking point. And that's the point where Joaquin is such a brilliant actor. And that's why he knew that he needed to go there. He needed to lose that weight because he knew that that's just another a layer of his character that's going to make people feel for him. And uh, he came from right from uh, the last big movie I saw him was what? We, we were never really here. Mm-hmm. Where he was a little bit chubby. He has like, you know, he, he yeah. gained some weight for that movie. Yeah. I, I do think that there's some influences from that movie carried over his character in this with the mom yeah. in that you, situation. You've seen that movie? Bits and pieces. I've had a chance to see it fully. It's really good. Yeah. I really like I, it. I have it, um, you know, on my watch list. Yeah. It's, pro- it's probably even bleaker than this, I would say. I would say it's more serious. I, I just was kind of amazed that people were like, it's so bleak. And it is bleak for it a is. big movie. But I don't know. I'm, I'm so, I guess, what is it? Desensitized to bleakness. Like It's just like when you watch, like, it, it's a lot like, Death Wish and Taxi Driver, and I think people would bring up the same. If those movies were made today, people would bring up the same issues if they were made that way, yeah, and stuff like that. And I noticed a lot of it seemed almost like they're going that Taxi Driver racial tension in the very beginning. Yeah. When I was like, oh, I can see you know this kind of upsetting some people, but it, it, it kind of gets away from that. And I know Death Wish had that too when people came out and yeah. were like, well, it's Charles Bronson shooting a bunch of black guys, and then the sequels they're like, we're not trying to do that, guys. So yeah. we're going to throw some other guys in here too. Yeah, let's talk about the love interests. You know, yeah, that's very that Taxi strange. Driver too. Yeah. Very, you know, where, very, you yeah. know, so he's obsessed with somebody and they have no idea that he pretty much exists. And, and Thomas Wayne is also that kind of political figure who he also was obsessed with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, and that's the thing is like, you know, as, a, as filmmakers, yeah. uh, you know, you, you want to, you want to put those, those movies that you cherish, you know, Taxi Driver is one of those movies oh, that, you know, you oh, study in film school. One of the best. And, uh, you know, it's one of Marty's, you know, greatest films ever. And De Niro's too, you yeah. know. So, um, I thought, you know, but I thought, like, you know, the the love interest was, uh, you know, it wasn't so overdone to where it took away from his character, but it was just enough to give another sympathy point, you know, yeah. for the Joker character. I feel like they tried to make him sympathetic at the beginning, but by the end, like, I I could really just tell how like self-centered and like egotistical fuck. yeah and, and I didn't feel sympathetic for him at the end but at, but at the same time everybody's scum in that movie not really anybody yeah. is sympathetic yeah. I mean he's right but also at the same time he's no better yeah <laughs> you know at the same time it's like these people are shit it's like so am I really so you being you what did you think of the gore and the violence in it I, well um, I love realistic violence and the violence was very realistic you know it wasn't so over the top where it just like Japanese blood spraying and, and things like that. It was brutal. And that's the way violence needs to be. Some, some of the violence was really drawn out too. Yep. And, yeah. you know, and again, you know, having... I always hate when somebody kills somebody in a movie and they don't get their heart rate up. Because, you know, when you're doing something that visceral and, and mean-spirited, like, that's going to make your heart rate race and, like... You know when, when he's, he's bright, yeah. He's, you yeah. know the breathing and stuff like that is yeah. super, super important. And again, it just goes to show how great you know Joaquin is as an actor. Yeah. Uh, you know for doing that, and again the third act of the movie, um, you know was just all the you know everything you know for, again I I don't, I don't want to give anything away. The whole world's going to see this movie, especially if you're a, if you're a fan of movies and film, you're going to go see this movie. But. Um, Maybe we can discuss it a little later again. Yeah, we can yeah. kind of do a part two. Of yeah. This or something. yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I'm good on talking about it unless you guys got any more points. I, I would How about the about makeup? What did you guys think of the Joker um, makeup? It was pretty unique, but I've never been, I'm not like a Joker fanatic. So, like, if, or like a Michael Myers fanatic. So, when things change and people get really uptight about it, I'm like, oh. The only one that I thought looked like shit was the um, uh, 
Jared Leto. Yeah, but I mean that's a product of its time. So I, I liked it. I, I liked it. It was uh, simple. It was. A, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely simple, and it was a clown. It, it seemed a, like it was a fresh take on it too. It seemed like it. Like the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger, his was like purposely shitty looking. You know, like he just didn't yeah. care. This one seemed like that Joaquin's character wanted it to be good, but it wasn't really that good. You know, but it was okay. Which, I mean, which it, I kind of like. in this realistic kind of world, he's not going to go fucking. For, he's got to put that shit on all the time. Yeah. He's not going to be like, oh, it's perfect. You know, he's like. I, I didn't like how he started painting his tongue, to be honest. That's a little too on the nose, like, look how crazy this guy is, he's licking paint, I don't know. You know, I, I think it's it, it's a moment, like, how many times, like... Maybe he improved it. <clears throat> so, you know, when I was a little kid, and I was, like, learning makeup, special effects makeup, I would sit in the mirror and put stuff on my face, um... If I didn't have any, you know, like I was little, yeah. you know, and if I had a loose tooth or something like that, I'd fucking loosen that sucker, get a little bit of blood in my mouth. It's kind of twisted, but, you know, I would just sit there and just like let blood and drool drip from my face and yeah. take a wet paper, you know, the toilet paper yeah. and put it on my face and baby powder and let it dry so it would wrinkle me up and then just sit there. And, and I think that's really what it was. I think it's just, you know, just that moment of you becoming, you know, he's, he's not becoming... Um, What's his name? Alfred Fleck? Jeez, uh, now Arthur. Arthur. Arthur, yeah. Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck. He's becoming the Joker. Huh? And I, th- I, just, I just think it's just his moment of, you know, just like his time, time yeah. yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And the needle drops at sometimes were really good, and then sometimes it almost hit that point where it became distracting to me. Like, because there were such big songs, like... I love when rock and roll played. I do, too. I think they were the right... It was the right music, too. It was, like, kind of, like, the right music for it. Some of them were great, and some of them were... I was like, ah, that's just weird. Like, some of the songs you hear so many times, it's just, like, background noise to you now. Like, the songs are ruined by, like, hearing it on a sneakers commercial. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it's not anybody's fault, except my own, I guess. So, uh, I would recommend it. I do, too. Yeah, 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 I would recommend it. Great job, Todd Phillips. Great job, Joaquin, and... Your whole team, I think, uh, you guys made a very important movie at an important time in history right now because we really need a movie like this, especially yeah, yeah. as a fan of these kind of movies. And at the end of the day, um, don't censor things. Just don't. You know? Yeah. Don't censor. Did it's you guys good. know Todd Phillips was supposed to direct Borat? Was he? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. He, he, he like, wrote it and, like, really? was, like, the original, but he dropped out for some reason. I th- I heard somewhere he dropped out because it was too offensive, but he's the Gigi Allen documentary guy. That doesn't sound So right. I don't know. But, yeah, so he's no, no stranger to controversy, no, basically. No, no, not at all. Stop bothering my kid. Sorry. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> this is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal.
It's so awful, isn't it? For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed. But I do. And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny? Is this a joke to you? Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? So uh, I also, while we got Fred here, let's ask him about some of his favorite non-horror influences. Because I noticed all your movies, even if they are straight up horror movies like Red Sin Tower, they all have a true crime element. And I see your movies more as true crime than even like true crime influence, like crime stories, than horror movies sometimes. Like August Underground's a serial killer movie. Red Sin Tower has the boyfriend aspect, which all feels real. Mm -hmm. And all sorts, and then Salaturstica, even it feels like real until Murder Collection, and of course the final interview. Realism is definitely what I love. Um... I love like pulling that world of real into you know this that kind of narrative, um, because I really th- I think horror sticks the best when it has like a drama yeah. element to it. Yep. Um, I, I kind of think you know making like a slasher movie is just too easy. Yeah. You know the for- it's just formula you know formulaic, and um, it, it doesn't really test me. I just I, f- I feel like I can kind of like skip that class. Yeah. You know. Um, so every time I when I try to do stuff, I mean, especially like with the final interview, like that whole thing is just me trying to like, you know, show something completely different. I'm, you know, you guys obviously you've seen yeah, the movie, yeah. you've been in the movie. There's not nothing much really like it, and I think when people start to see it, maybe we could talk about it once you know it comes out on Blu-ray yeah, and yeah. more people have seen it. You know, we could discuss it. Um, but you know, I just try, I'm just trying to reinvent everything that I love, you know, put my spin on it personally. Well, yeah, final interview has a lot of a lot of dialogue, and it's good dialogue and good characters, which drives the whole movie. And, good, and setups and yes. setups and, and things the, like that. Yeah, the, actors, the actors, yeah, yeah. yeah. they do a great job. They, they, they pull it off. So. Yeah. But I, you know, like as much as I love horror, and I and, I'm, and I love slasher films, and yeah. I love rape revenge films, and exploitation films, and the monster movies, and Frankenstein is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Um, but, like, I love movies like Over the Edge, Jonathan Kaplan's 1979 classic. Okay. You know, I love teen angst movies. I love movies like Bad Boys with Sean Penn. Yeah, that's a great one. Clancy Brown. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whose radio is this? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 one of, and that's the thing. Is it, like that's When the violent hits in those movies, it's so important. It's almost more impactful than a horror film. Absolutely. Because, it's just again, it's just so easy for a guy with a big machete or a chainsaw yeah. to kill somebody. But when, you know, you see Sean Penn putting those soda cans into that pillowcase, and he's like, yo, why don't you just, you know, just hang out here, and he just turns around and, you know, smacks him in the face, and you just see that dude's nose explode, and it's just like, that's power. How do you feel about scum, if you like bad boys? Well, I like scum. Yeah, yeah, that would be very scum's similar. Very, you know, and, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. scum's another one of those, you know, yeah. you know, great movies from that era, you know, War the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, you know, but dude, I also, but the man, like, you know, like, I love movies like fucking Popeye, Robert Altman's Popeye. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I love, I love, you know, I love comedies like Blazing Saddles and Airplane and, you know, Richard Pryor films yeah. like Bustin' Loose and The Toy. Um, you know, a lot of movies that I grew up watching that was just like, that was just on HBO. So I kind of grew up in a, in a town that had HBO before a lot of people did. Yeah. So I was watching a lot of television cable when other people didn't have those movies. And like when the VCR came out, my mom was just like, you know, we were, got a VCR early and I was just renting everything that I could rent. And I literally tried to watch as much as I possibly could. A friend of mine, uh, I don't want to give his name just in case it would be offensive, he said that a lot of independent filmmakers don't, they only watch horror movies. They never watch anything else, so when they make movies, they have no influence from anything else, so it's a rehash. So it's like, do you feel as a, a horror filmmaker or a crime filmmaker or whatever, like extreme, whatever you categorize those movies as, not in one category, but... <laughs> sorry. Uh, That's my wife. Ten and Bray. Yeah. But uh, as you categorize those movies as, do you feel you need to watch other kinds of films to be a successful filmmaker in any genre? I think to be a successful filmmaker, you need to watch film. Awesome. I'm a cinephile. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. watch movies. I can, you know, we can sit here and if you want to talk comedies all day yeah. long, we can talk comedies all day yeah. long. You want to talk dramas all day long, we get foreign films, foreign, you name yeah. it. Yeah. We can talk about it because I've seen, as I, I try to watch as much as I can because I love movies. I love being immersed in film. Uh, I love actors' performances. I love great cinematography. You know, like, I can sit here and watch a Terrence Malick film and I can yeah. sit and watch... A Rob Zombie movie. I guess yeah. you know what I mean. Like exactly. completely That's different perfect. different sides of the spectrum. Um, because I love movies, and you know, I might not like every movie, but I appreciate every movie because it's somebody really trying to is is trying to put their art out there. And maybe if I don't, like, you can look at a painting and one person can be like, "Wow, do you see the meaning behind this painting? This painting is super." And then some people are like, "I don't see shit." That's how movies are too. Exactly. So I'm not going to get mad because I don't see the fucking sailboat. Yeah. Right, Kevin Smith. Right. You know, I don't see the sailboat, but I know the obviously the sailboat's in there. Maybe I need to watch it again. Sometimes that's why we all need to go back and give a movie a second shot. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and you know, with my career, uh, you know, I get the, you know, especially like my most known, you know, the August Underground movies. Everybody's just like, oh. You know, this movie has no plot. This movie has no structure. This movie's just gore for gore's sake. And, you know, people don't realize, like, this movie was made to be this way. This movie was choreographed to be shot this way. This movie was very structured. It's not just me picking up a camera and just shooting shit. It's all wonders, a lot of it. You know, so, so it's hard. Yeah, and, that's, and, that's, and, that's, and, and the thing is, is that it looks so real that you think that it's just me fucking around with the camera. Exactly. And that's, you know, and that's the point. So like when you when people like dog me and say like oh I don't get it, it's kind of a compliment. <laughs> it, it ain't hard looking to make it like and it nah, looks so easy, right? Nah, it's whatever. Uh, there's one thing on here that I, want, I was questioning because you always used to act in your movies, obviously yeah. being the lead in the August Underground movies and Red Sun Tower, and I thought you were always really good at that. I thought you had a natural screen presence. I always wanted to see you in other stuff. So I'm wondering who are your acting inspirations? Like favorite actors? What kind of actors do you like? Oh, yeah, man. maybe when you were preparing for a role, was there a, a guy that you had in mind? Yeah, I'm just I'm interested in some of your friends. I, oh God, man, I love so many actors. I love I love Rucker Howard's performance in The Hitcher. Great one. I mean, he life. you know he, the the you know the uh, the diner scene where he's just sitting there with the bullet. You know what I mean? The yeah. bullets, powerful shit like that. You know, of course I love you know I love you know 
of course, like De Niro, early De Niro stuff, you know, from, you know, even Francis Ford Coppola, The Godfather, uh, Apocalypse Now. I, I love really great performances from all different kinds of people, and I really wish actors weren't real human beings and you can just kind of like pluck them from this plastic bubble in certain <laughs> eras and be like, you know what? I want Rutger Hauer from 1986. Can I That'd put him perfect. in my movie now? You know, unfortunately, it's not like that. And there's so many great actors out there today, but I think the craft has changed a lot. Yeah. You know, I think the craft has changed a lot because now it's so easy when we shoot on video and there's three camera setups. You know, back in the day when you would have one camera and you're shooting on film, everything yeah. was super important. Get and you it. had to be fucking good. Yeah. Professional. You know, and, you know, when you get actors, a lot of actors today, you know, don't remember their lines and they'll come in unprepared. And they know that it's not costing any money because we're shooting on fucking video and they can, they can yeah. you know, phone it in. That's bullshit. Exactly. You know, and I got to see, you know, with, you know, with the final interview, I got to see real acting. You know, Granger Hines, you know, who's been acting for 40 fucking years, you know, who's done everything, you know, from the, every television show we've all seen from Knight Rider yeah. to, you know, to Buster Scruggs now with the Coen Brothers. He's in goddamn Lincoln. Yeah. He's in Rocky too. You know, yeah. so... <laughs> Rocky Two to Lincoln, you know, that's fun. Watching somebody perform like that, working with somebody who is on the toe tag level, like yeah. Danny Marusak, who brought his A-game and learned so much from an actor like Granger... You know, like, you know, watching those two guys work together and help each other was really amazing. It's incredible, yeah. And Granger, like, thanks Damien. He couldn't believe how good Damien was. And, like, they're just making each other better. Did you get to meet Granger at all? No, no, no. I did meet Damien out here, though. Yeah, a couple times, I think. Yeah, Damien. Damien was here Yeah, Yeah, there's that one question. Um, You notice how, like... Sam Peckinpah is probably my second favorite director after George Romero. Wild Bunch is one of my all-time favorite movies. I have like an obsession with the movie. I bring it up every time. But that movie, in a way, Peckinpah didn't want to glorify violence. But at the end, they go out in this kind of like Western legendary kind of glorification of violence. But in that, there is this kind of like pain in it. Now, how do you feel about like you have in a way when you portray violence, there's almost a glorification of it for no matter what in a strange way because it's on film. Yeah, it's so complicated I, and it's kind of strange. Well, I know whenever violence happens in my movies, pain has to be there. In the Redson Tower, when Becky gets the axe on her back, you know, like reaching for it, you know. I'd watch so many movies where somebody would get stabbed in the back and, ah! and then they would just fall <laughs> over. Yeah. You know, no, that shit fucking hurts. And it's not going to kill you right away. No. You know, and you're going to try to pull that fucking axe out of your back. Um, you know, say in, in, in an August Underground film, you know, the violence had to be really important and really real or it wouldn't work. Yeah. So, again, like the breathing aspect and <clears throat> even if the person, the actor in my film might have not have been a super strong actor, I know that I would have to put on my, my chops to make sure that, like... If they weren't doing a hundred percent, I was gonna I was gonna fill in, you know, to make it a hundred percent. This is not really a question, but it's just a comment that I always thought was really interesting and in how serial killers are. In the third August Underground, when you have that the, the fat guy on the ground and you're making fun of him, yeah. you killed him and fucked him up. But then you try to blame him for making the mess because if serial killers are like it's never their fault. No. That that prostitute had to come and I'm cleaning up the streets. But you guys are like look at the mess you made. You get mad at him for making a mess when you killed him. Well, a lot of He's serial projecting. killers, yeah, they're, nar- they're narcissists. They never take responsibility. Yeah. For him. You know, they're narcissists yeah. and that's and again 
you know, oh, I just, you know, I just shoot a fucking movie with a fucking camera and not give a right. shit. No, it's everything that comes out of my mouth is important, yeah. and it's a plot. It's a little piece of the plot. It's a little bit that make you think. And, and and study and watch these movies. The characters know? grow. Your character His especially character grows, grows time, throughout yeah. the trilogy. It's like and he, he, there's yeah, arcs he, for he, he literally climbs up a hill and then falls off the cliff. Yeah, party's over by the third one. Yeah. I wanted to ask you uh, recent movies in the last ten years, non horror yeah. films that you like, not old ones. Oh God. Um, I know we talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I you know I I, I like you know Quentin Tarantino. His movies are like, you know, my favorite concert shirt that I wear all the time. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's just comfortable. I love it. I'll wear it until, it, you know, because he makes things comfortable. Like, he, yeah. he puts so much stuff in that you kind of, you know, yeah. where it just feels comfortable. And it's you don't have to overthink things. You can just enjoy it and enjoy, like, his beautiful cinematography. The enjoy his dialogue. His actors are always great because they know that during a Tarantino movie, they want to give you the best performance I like the movie um, The Three Billboards. Was one of my. To watch I that haven't one seen that either. It's you please see it. It's kind of funny, right? No, it's not. It's pretty. I mean, it's you know Francis McDermott, Woody Harrelson, um, Sam Rockwell. Uh, so a bunch of terrible actors. Yeah, well, I'm just well, kidding. Well, they're well, like well, three well, of the best. Well, yeah, I think Francis yeah. McDermott won an Oscar for you yeah, know for a performance. And I think uh, Sam Rockwell did too. I really really enjoyed that. I wanted to see it, but the trailer looked like funny to me. No, maybe it's uh, just a bad trailer. I'm telling you, watch the movie. I'm, I'm, I think you both, you guys, are really, really. Uh, good. I know. I think I have it on uh, digital, or I have the Blu-ray. I can't remember which. I know I have access to it. I bought it. I, you know, I really enjoyed the new Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. Um, I love monkey movies. You know, I love Skull Island. Like I love King Kong. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, I was a really big fan of Paul Thomas Anderson's earlier stuff. Um, you know. Uh, Red, white, and blue. You liked that one, didn't you? I did like red, white, and blue. Yeah, that's bleak. That's now you talk about bleak. Yeah, talk about a bleak movie. That was very. You know, but yeah, there's you know there's there's you know I try to watch I try to watch as much as I can. Of yeah. course, there's so many movies coming out. You you can't watch everything. You know the Greasy Strangler. You yeah. know uh, this isn't right. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to um, do that to somebody. You know I. I I like I like movies to give me different feelings. You know that's why you know we watch a comedy or we watch a horror movie is to give yeah. me a different feeling. So um, it really all depends. Television shows, television shows. You know, uh, Shelby and I, my wife, um, we watch a lot of garbage TV. Which uh, when I may say that, it's like Bar Rescue. Yeah. Oh, okay. And things like that. Um, just it's just mindless. It's, 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 it's I don't have to think too much, and I can. Mm-hmm. Ju- it's like you know, watching like John Taffer yell at somebody. It's the same show <laughs> over and over again. Same but you know what? It's like. I just want to fast forward to the end so I can see him fix up the new bar. You know, uh, watch a lot of ha- House Hunters International. <laughs> Houses you can't afford. Yeah, okay, exactly. We only have a measly wow. three million to spend. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, you know, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my husband's a janitor and I don't have a job, but we have four billion dollars. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think we could get? You know, man, they're like, eh, I don't like it. I don't oh, like it. It just has doesn't everything. Have a it doesn't have a bowling ball. Yeah. You know, Netflix. You know, I, I watch some stuff on Netflix. I, I like Big Mouth. Um, um, I still watch The Walking Dead because you know I love Greg Nicotero, and mm. you know, and even though it has its ups and downs and stuff like that, I still try to give it the best that it can be. Um, but uh, have you seen The Night Comes for Us on Netflix? No. I if mean. you want to see the most badass action movie that's gory, some of the people from the Raid did it. And I was like, oh my god. Like, the fight scenes are brutal. 
knife goes in the guy's arm, goes all the way down. It's it's really Shooting? awesome. There's guns in it too. Yeah, it's really awesome. I like and it's brutal. Bombs, and you're yeah. just like, oh, I cringed every time somebody. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. I think you'd dig it. And I've been watching the new 90210. Well, I don't even know. That was That's the nostalgia. It's a, a little bit. Nost- it's a little bit nostalgia, and I, I, you know, I really think the, the way that the, the show uh, is kind of like makes fun of itself in like this weird Self-aware. alternate universe, yeah. universe. That's kind of real. I kind of like the way that they went with it. So I'm, I'm, it's a fresh take on it. There's a couple questions I always ask everybody or try to just for the hell of it: Argento or Fulci? Hmm. Fulci. Everybody said Fulci. I'm Fulci too. Fulci, yeah, Fulci. Yeah, and uh, serial killer that most interests you, one that you're always like, not like necessarily glorified, but you just want to interest in. Um, it, definitely Ted Bundy. Yeah, Ted Bundy, because he was just, um, you know, he was handsome, he was a smooth talker, and I think that's what you need. You know, if you, especially if you're that, you know, most guys aren't built like me. Yeah, you know, six foot three, um, and that can grab like a Kemper. At you Kemper know? six nine, yeah. two like three hundred. I you know, do so, so, so Ted, you know, Ted had to be a little bit smarter yeah. than a lot of other people. Um, but uh, yeah, did you guys see the 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 Ted Bundy movie with um, Zac yeah. Efron? Yeah, I yeah. thought the performances were great. The needle drops again distracted me, and I thought I thought it was tasteless. Yeah, I thought sympathizing any bit about Ted Bundy, like that's the one thing I don't want to see any sympathy for towards Bundy. But that original script. You never knew it was Bundy until halfway through, which would mind fuck you completely because it would put you in the position of everyone else. Like, this guy's innocent. This guy's innocent. Like, everybody thought. And then you're like, no, this is Ted Bundy. But they couldn't do that because they wouldn't get the funding to get Zac Efron and nobody would watch a movie just about a random killer. And he, I mean, but, like, casting was great. I mean, Zac looked like him. I mean, yeah, he did a wonderful job. It comes off tasteless. No violence in it either. Well, that's all right. We all know what happens. Yeah, I don't need I mean, the violence. You, you know what saying. I mean? Like, especially, you know, a lot of people who want to watch a serial killer movie. You know, like I don't like to. I like the way it was, the dramatic elements of it, and everything, and the relationship between him and his like wife or girlfriend or whatever. But I wish there was just a really stronger, like a big violence. Well, scene we've seen that end. before a hundred times. Yeah, I mean, but the other Bundy movies are violent. Like they're just. I don't strange. think there's ever been a good Bundy movie. I heard the Deliberate Stranger is good, but that's a TV movie. I haven't watched that one. But I don't like the two thousand two one. Two thousand two. For some reason, they just want to do Bundy tasteless. Like it just all comes tasteless to me. Like I thought all the Dahmer movies were good. From the one with Jeremy Redner, I thought was good. The one, the, the low budget, dirt cheap, Secret Life, I thought was decent. And then the one of my friend Elmer, I thought all those were good. And I never thought I they haven't came seen across that one. I want to see that one. They're all good. Do you, did you see any of them? I, I've seen them all. Yeah, you like them? Um, they're okay. Yeah. You know, my friend Dahmer was okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, I look for a little bit more. I, I you know, I, I think we should be true, true to yeah. the victims. I you know, agree. And that's, I agree. And that's and that's a hard thing because you really you don't want to upset the families and stuff like that. Um, you know, I've had real murder happen in my family, yeah. and uh, you know that shit sticks. So you gotta be, you know, it's it's you're treading on you know thin ice, but it, you're also dealing with a piece of American history. Yeah. And to be honest to American history, sometimes you need to show shit the way that it really was. Again, I think there's never been a Gacy movie 
Um, the best one was with you know my buddy William Forsythe. You know that was a great movie. Yeah. Made me uncomfortable completely when he when he calls and talks to the guy. You ever yeah. get your brother on the ground and try to suck him off? I said Jesus Christ, it made but me I, so sick. Yeah, but there's I mean, but there's never really you know movies that never really go there. Yeah, no, that but, went there in the well, dialogue at least. Yeah, well, that's what you know with August Underground. That's where I really wanted to uh, I wanted to show where they go. You know, because yeah. I'm like Hollywood would never show this. Like, not, you know, like, and, it, and it's one thing to read that Edmund Kemper fucked a bunch of heads, but to see it on screen and play. Realistically, you guys I, see. I don't think people would. I, I did see some of it. I don't think people would worship that guy if they actually had to see that. Yeah. You guys should probably definitely watch Mindhunter. I did watch the first well, like four or five episodes. Edmund yeah. Kemper's performance was top notch. I've seen bits and pieces of it, and we shot the final interview in the yeah. prison. Yeah, yeah you definitely nice. dig it, man. Yeah, both I, it, again, it's it's just you know time is not on time, my side, man. you know. And TV, what's yeah. a commitment? It's a big commitment. That's yeah. why I never get hooked. I watch one episode or two episodes of show. I'm like. It's good, but I got it. I <laughs> yeah. get it. I know that's shitty to say, but it's just the way it is. I'm a movie guy through and through. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any other movies? Oh, favorite Western. I'm curious. Ooh, favorite Western. Hmm. Favorite Western. You know what? I'm going to go... You know, this might sound kind of cheesy, but, you know, I'm going to go with... It's like a tie between, like, Tombstone and Young Guns. <laughs> Those are two of my favorite movies ever made. <laughs> I see a red sash. I kill the man wearing it. You I know, love it. Um, Tombstone's really good. Tombstone is. You know, I'm a Billy the Kid guy. I went to Billy yeah, the Kid's yeah. grave in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. You know, it's one of my highlights of my life. Even though it's in the middle of nowhere, but like I love the the story of Billy the Kid. And um, which I, I saw the new Billy the Kid movie. Have you guys seen that one oh, with I've um, heard of it. Uh, Dayan, uh What's his name? Well, Ethan Hawke's in it. He plays Pat Garrett. But still, you know, Young Guns is the is is just yeah, I love 80s greatness, dude. When uh, Charlie loses his mind, that's the yeah. most touching character. Kitty, you bastard! <laughs> maniac, maniac. Maybe that's the best right there. I love that. Hey, like, dog, you see the size of that chicken, dude. When uh, one of the best parts of that movie is like after the first shootout, and they're just like sitting there in the dark, like trying to go to sleep the next night, and like it just gets a real quiet scene. It's like that kind of adrenaline wears off, like. We're gonna fucking die, and it's just real sad. It's real yeah. emotional. You know, and the, you know those actors were, just, you know, the '80s. You know, that was you know a very you know a very influential time on me as a young man. Seeing movies like Stand by Me, which you know was one of my favorite movies. Stand by Me is yeah, it was great. But you know, like watching Kiefer Sutherland grow into an actor, watching Emilio Estevez grow, you know, and like that whole group. It was like the Brat Pack making yeah. a. A western it was just so it was just so good, but it took itself seriously. It never took itself as cheese. It was never cheese, you know. And I, it, it stayed true to the you know the the story of the. Yeah. Did you I, see Bone Tomahawk? I did. I, like I enjoyed Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, that's yeah. good, and, and that's the one thing. Funny thing too is we're always worried about the glorification of serial killers, but the old west. It's all about glorification of the the. It's the, about the story, the legends, not even the true story. And so what, what print the legend, not the story, yeah. the man who shot Liberty Valance, right? Yeah. I mean, but that's what's so strange about it. Like, Billy the Kid technically would probably be a mass murderer or, or even of, Dillinger, but we don't look at him the same. Yeah, but a lot, a lot of it's, you know, made-up history. Yeah. You know, like, Billy the Kid, did he really kill 21 men by his 21st birthday? You don't know. And no. it's like folklore, too. It, so it's, 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 folklore. it's American history and folklore. You don't, it, it, you can get away with kind of almost glorifying that because it's more piece of history. Yeah. A little yeah. different, you know, when it comes to like, we, you know, Dillinger, because that was definitely more documented, you know, yeah, it was yeah. the 30s. Yeah, but that's Billy the Kid. Yeah. yeah. 
But it's weird that like there's a definite comparison between John Dillinger and Billy the Kid, who are people who are technically criminals but could be sympathetic that were turned into folk heroes. Yeah, well, it was, that's when that's because we were starting to get more, media was getting faster. You yeah. know, newspapers were printed faster. More people were knowing about Dillinger, Al Capone. Yeah. You know, Ma Barker and the boys. Well, and the, the James thing. Gang and stuff yeah. and the railroads. So the railroads are bigger people. Like, you know, that's kind of being like, they've done way worse than the James Gangs ever did, you yeah. know? So yeah, that's interesting piece of history and stuff. No, and, I, and, I, and I love history. I love, you know, it, it's, I, I feel like a lot of those kind of movies are harder to make now because, you know, a lot of those, yeah, you know, there's so much, everything's been built up now. It's where do you, you know, where do you shoot these kind of movies? And you don't have your character actors. You don't have your no. slim pickings. You can't just grab guys like twenty guys like that. Like get Royal Dano, Slim Pickens, War Oates, and Ben Johnson. We got our cast. Yeah, great, those guys are all dead. Yep, great faces. Yeah. You know, and nobody acts like that anymore. No, those yeah. guys are precious. Yeah, one of a kind. Absolutely. That, yeah. I'm so glad that those movies. That's the beautiful thing about movies is that they're forever. And if yeah. you really look for them, or you, your guys like us that have yeah. movie collections, they're in our collection because we want that physical copy. Anytime we want to watch The Magnificent Seven, it's yeah. going in. And, and, it's in our collection. And it's special to bring that up to people, too. Like, not everybody nowadays would know who some of those people are. Yeah. And it's like, know. it's horrible. Like, you can't, like, being a cinephile, you ever have gotten trouble being a cinephile or looked at, like, as a weirdo when you're just like, and this and this? And like, I have no clue what you're talking about. No, I do. When I was, we it would be Friday night and we go to Blockbuster and I'd be in there for an hour and my friends would be like, come on, Fred. I'm like, no, 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 we got to pick the perfect movie for tonight. You know, I'm not watching a horror movie, and it's like, yes, we are. This was made 20 years ago. Yeah. It's good, though. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to watch Bonnie and Clyde with Warren Beatty, you know? <laughs> like, we're watching it. Sorry. <laughs> Is it Bonnie and Clyde to switch out the case? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, you know. It's, it's a struggle it's being great. a movie fan. Yeah. You know how hard that, we got it. First world problems. <laughs> I just hope everybody who watches your show watches lots of movies. I hope so, too. Yeah. Yeah, keep cinema alive. Thanks very much for doing this. Anything hey, thank else you for having me. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if you like nasty horror movies, check out Toe Tag. Uh, and I'm really excited for you guys to see my new movie, The Final Interview. It's I believe it's my best work. Yeah. And um, it's very different from anything that I've ever done, and it's uh, definitely my most polished and. Well, that's you know, the best thing. Movie. How and when can they see it? Yeah. Uh, right now it's at film festivals. Uh, or if you if you know a theater that wants to show cool. Independent movies, contact me via Facebook or whatever. I'm not that hard to get a hold of. Um, and let's get a screening together because I want to show it to you. I, I really, It's really great to see in the theater. It's really great to see in the and, and the best thing about your career is your movies always progressively get made well, more. You know, they get better. Not, not, not like just a story or anything. They get, they, they're more well made as you go on. And that's how a filmmaker should be. I, mean, I, they're gonna I, get I try every just time. I, you know, I learn from every movie. Yeah. So, like, I just I want each movie to be better. And, like, I know where to put money. Yeah. You know? Like, I, you know, I know that this movie needed great actors in it, so I know I needed to put the money towards the acting, and I didn't have to put all that money towards effects. Um, I knew it needed to be shot beautifully, so I hired a really great DP. Um, you know, I wanted really great music in the movie. I hired a really great, you know... Uh, you know, musicians. So. Music's the number one thing lacking in yeah. independent movies nowadays. I mean, sound is too. Yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of yeah. people don't yeah. take care of that sound, and that's really important because, you know, our eyes and our ears are our biggest, you know, when you're watching movies. So when yeah. you hear that dialogue not right or you hear music not right, it, it, it throws into your brain, this is not right. I don't like it. This isn't right. It's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. It was great. Hey, Thanks again. Thank yeah, you. As always. And, and you? you'll you'll let them know whenever yeah, yeah. Uh, the Blu-ray's out. For oh, yeah, I'll buy it. And 
Because you couldn't give it a proper... You felt a little weird because, you, you I, know, you're in I'm it. I'm in it. I was involved with it. I'm yeah. close. It's like, you can't really do that. Yeah. I did it once, and I was like... Somebody was like, said something, and I was like, they're right. This is stupid. Like, I can't give this... I can talk about it, though, and tell you guys to watch it. Yeah. And I'd be honest, like... There's some movies I've done that are shitty, and nowadays at this point in my life, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't say go see it. I yeah. would just I wouldn't just talk about it. You know what I mean? I would just yeah. I wouldn't bring it up. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, well, thanks a lot, guys. Thank uh, you. Thanks, if you like guys. it, whatever. Do give it a thumbs down if you don't like it. I don't give a shit. But thanks, thanks for watching, guys. Give Keith a thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down for Keith. Thumbs up for Fred. I'll never get Yay. Yay. <laughs> But we're out of here. You ready to face off with the devil tonight? The devil? How's <laughs> Tidman? Is he ready? Ready to die, if that's what you mean. He's a run-of-the-mill lunatic. He painted a room with his father's blood. This room gives me a bad vibe. Open four! He having second thoughts. It's all that creep has talked about for days. How he's going to be on TV. Just be careful with him. No telling what he might try. Don't be fooled, Warden. <laughs> I can take care of myself. Have you been drinking today? No. Not a drop. that you could make it. No, I didn't have anything else going on. I just got this thing later tonight. This is Oliver Ross, and welcome to a special edition of the Ross Perspective. Tonight is the night of Darius Tidman's execution by lethal injection for the grisly murder of 20 innocents. They wanted Guy Oakley, but I insisted. Nobody's gonna switch the channel. I promise you fireworks. You describe your crimes as some sort of a beautiful journey. If there wasn't something beautiful at the heart of it, I wouldn't have done any of it. It's suffering. Oliver. Get your head in the game. Pull it together. Get into his head. Darius. Tell me about the night that you reached your limit and killed. I got on top of him. I looked directly into his eyes. And he finally saw my true face. A demon. You enjoyed it, didn't you? Yes. You're evil. <laughs> Somebody's gonna die tonight, and I can't wait. All right, guys. We're going to do the drawing for the Patreon stuff. See, I have James Schaefer's name out because he's only going to get entered for October because he donated then. So we have four. Um, let me get these. i got to move some stuff. Sorry. Unprofessional. 
All right, we have four, and I'll start right off the top. Okay, the first one is going to be for, this is, I have, I'm just going to draw the three out and then throw his name back in for October. We're going to start the first uh, prize. I, what would it be for July, August? It would probably be for June. This is That's Sexploitation DVD uh, by Hennen Lauder. So who's going to win that? I know you all should be rethrawn in the bag, but I'm going to give uh, keep you guys out just for somebody else a chance to win. Okay, who do we have? We have Jim Simon, one uh, that, that's Sexploitation. And then for uh, the other prize, we have The Dead Next Door. This is the special edition, two disc here. So yeah, love this movie. Cool edition. Uh, bunch of stuff on here, a bunch of different versions. J.R. Bookwalter Classic. Who's going to win that one? Oh, we have Dustin Mills. Congrats, Dustin. I think that's the first time you won, so yeah. And then who's next uh, for... We got The Devil's Honey by Severn Films. Cool Lucio Fulci movie. Love this one. So who's going to win that one from Severn? Let's see. We got Skip Barber. Okay, so all these people shoot me your address if you don't already have it. And I'm going to throw uh, James Schaefer's name back in and mix that up a little bit. For the final prize, which is Killer Crocodile 1, brand new sealed. And two, which I actually reviewed in this episode for you guys. So who's going to win the October prize? Who do we got? We got Keith Voigt Jr., who I just saw this weekend, which is funny because I could have handed it to you. But okay, so um, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for watching. And as always, you have a good one. Yeah. Part of us, right? Part of us is also Gonna buy anything or just rearranging Blu-ray? Yeah, yeah. That slip cover is insane. It is. I did almost like rip it to pieces at first because like, does this slide out? Like, I had this once and some like guy. Yeah, just pour it straight out. He's like, what? Actually, you know what happened the other day, dude? A guy took a slip cover and he just goes, the whorehound, I think he just goes, and he just starts trying to peel it back. <laughs> what fucking planet are you from? Man? You ever see the burbs? Yeah. It rips off the wallpaper just in the house and he's like, he's like, he realizes what he did. That's exactly what that guy did. He just wasn't, he was like, I think this comes off. Nine on the tension scale there, Ruben. Exactly. I think I got this set to like some weird daylight setting. Everything looks fucking orange. But, oh well, who gives a shit? Not you. That's no, not. It's weird. Unless it's just really orange in here. It is pretty orange in here. I think it's just so because nothing else is like this. I usually use like the uh, daylight bulb, so I must have this set to. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Alright, cool. Thanks, buddy. Doing? It's pretty cool. It's funny. Oh, let my puppy get some comments. Hilarious.
But like after like 45 oh, no, minutes, like I get it. But it's funny. I liked it. What? After 45 minutes, you're done. For me. Yeah. I liked the whole movie, but I did like. I, was, I thought the beginning was better because I like the old guys. The music is amazing. The old guys, yeah. It's like there's a character in that that is like the two old guys in the Muppets. Yeah, there's like the Italian director. Like that movie could almost like there's barely any nudity in it except the one scene. That's why people are like, it's puppet porn. I'm like, not really. No, there's only one nudity scene, and it's like really playful and almost like sweet. <laughs> you know what I mean? What is your actual favorite movie on this table? Raw Force. Really? Mm -hmm. Kung Fu Camel Zombies, Monk Sitting Virgins shot in the Philippines. So fucking... Cameron Mitchell's in it. It's a proto-Hitler trading women for jade. You know how great that would be for a job? Like, don't... don't. <laughs> Put that on your resume. <laughs> I don't give a you guys got anything new? No, we don't have anything new. Why not? Are you guys still making movies? You guys retired? What's that? You guys retired? You guys coming out of retired? Yeah. You gonna do that movie? Yeah, I guess. Show it on your fucking shit. I don't care. After all, money. The, all the riches that we've made off of Rock Bottom, we can finally retire. Yeah. How much does this one sell? <laughs> 6,000 copies? Yeah. Wait till you see the sequel. <laughs> He's making it now, isn't he? Cool. Yeah, I know. He should be in it. Isn't he done? Who <laughs> knows? I'll run out of screen and get killed for 10 Don't seconds. Post it's posting it. So when am I cutting this? <laughs> Scratch that last one. That's a great one. You telling me all a little ooter? You got Black Queen 2020. That's his shit. Some asshole paid thirty dollars. Is that three hundred or thirty dollars? Or three dollars? Three thousand. It's actually not that hot here. Are you sweating? Are you hot? I feel great. You look great. That's great because you look great. Thank you. Not being sarcastic or anything. Burns. Yeah. I'm gonna shave them for the movie though. Keep them. No. Keep them and the chick and the Chick Fil A. Scene. I don't want to look like Brian Andrea, but I love Chick Fil A. But you are Brian. Not. Oh, is that how that works? That's weird. Oh, you always play yourself. No. Relatives? <laughs> yes. Oh my God! I was hoping you'd. We're so related. Yeah, I mean, if you consider having brain damage being related, and I, and you're so elated to see this, <laughs> this is going straight to the top. So when you guys are dead in two years, we'll remember this, right, Brian? We're relatives. You're relatively bothersome. He doesn't get it because he doesn't watch. It's always funny. You don't watch what? It's always funny. I haven't watched the last few seasons. 
but I like what I saw. I watched the first like four, like first whatever seasons like four or five times. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It really is. Very good show. Uh, this one is, you know, it's coming off a little Here's the story. Tell the story. Every time we go on this gas station, the guy at the register, the clerk, always says some real weird shit to us. And one time he asked me if we were vampires under our breath. He called us vampires. Yeah. Two times. Two times. So now we're going to go in there with vampire fangs, see? State-of-the-art special effect vampire fangs and blood. Why aren't you putting the blood on? And we're going to buy a Pepsi. Are you already fucking this yeah, you up? Go, no, he goes in after. So you're going to be in there first. Well, I'm going in with the camera first? Yeah, you, you know. Well, just walk around with the camera. <laughs> just just stuff. Video no, you're going in first. Yeah, 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 but you're going to... Well, like, so I'm just going to act like cool dude or sure. something and be like, here's some Pepsi? It doesn't matter. You're my uh, vampire entourage. Vampire entourage. But it's daylight. Don't you want to stay in character? See, that's the thing. He's going to be so fucked up over that. Like, I knew they were vampires, but... How am I looking for I'm just putting You guys aren't related, are you? How do I... Oh, I didn't think so. Are not I said no. Don't it's... let some fool you. They're not related. I didn't think so. We are. <laughs> I right, put that yes. shit on, the, on here. How do we do this? Here. You put it on. I, I don't know how to open it. Oh it's a goddamn. It's got a little twist thing. I'm not opening because we'll I don't want all that shitty blood on me. Them. Yeah. See, we don't know how to do it. You guys could probably do it with one pack. I take it back. They're related. Here. How much did that blood cost? So you had to buy. These were 25 cents at the dollar store. That is pathetic. That looks like. Jelly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty. <laughs> it looks like you made a jelly donut. They're, they're like, uh, it's over here. These effects aren't very convincing, are they? Don't worry. I can't even see what it is. No, it looks great. Keith. It looks like shit. All right. You're killing it. You're right. killing it. Right. Bravo. Whatever you do, don't stop filming. No. I'm not going in first. You're going in first. I'm going to follow you. Are we ready? Yeah, so I'm just going to follow you. Uh huh. He's in there, right? So Nate, wait until after we. <laughs> what am I just gonna stay in there when they're in there? Huh? Yeah. When Nate's in there, yeah. Are we sure he's here? All right. Yep. I'm gonna get bitched at. I know it. I'm gonna get bitched at. Here we go. Pepsi? No. I changed my mind. 
a cold brew. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, shit. Wait, I'm not going to get eaten up, am I? Oh, okay. What do you mean? Nothing? Nothing? How much do I owe you, sir? 377. One. Ah, ah, ah. Ooh. Ah, ah, ah. Three. Ah, 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 four. For you. Sure. You're not gonna like fight me or anything, are you? Why would I do that? I don't know. Thank you, my good man. Have a pleasant evening. I'll try. Do I gotta go in with Nate now too? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't believe it. You kept Get in there! You're good. Quick, go! Should I buy something? No, just run in there and ask for bandages. Don't do it. This do is... it! Go, go, go! Do it! I gotta go walk in twice. I look worse. <laughs> I didn't buy Pepsi. Oh, okay. Well, what did I Sorry, say? twisted it up. God, you're gonna fuck this up, Nate. Ask him for bandages. Dude, he looked freaked out. Did he really? But he was thought it was funny. He's real weird. Oh, okay. Yeah, ask for bandages. You're ready, man. Oh, great. <laughs> Anthony's always ready. Crazy wound. I'm not wound. condoning this shit you're doing. No, no, you're condoning this. <laughs> no, we don't have bandages. My bad. Oh, thank you. Oh, you. What I would do is keep pressure on the wound. Oh, no, it's bleeding out, dude. You got like five minutes. Okay. You got five minutes, man. Okay. I am a I'll take you to the hospital. I get out at like 11, if that helps at all. He would be dead by Hold off the till then. No, that's cool. We got, um, we got, um. <laughs> I got nothing. Did you get some bandages? He played along. He played along. He was in on it. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> he enjoyed it. I think he got a kick out of it. He knew vampires exist. <laughs> he was a little weirded out by YouTube, but he thought it was funny when Nate walked in. Because yeah. <laughs> Nate couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like he didn't know how to eat a jelly donut. Yeah. That's it. He's like, oh, 
I'm probably gonna have to take a shower because of this. Dude. Yeah, there's there's an out. Go take a shower now because we gotta see that movie at nine. Are you guys going? Yeah, he's gonna take forever. No, no I don't take that long anymore. Were you there this morning when I took a shower? I don't remember. I was working out. I was there when you took a shit, and I actually finished like 45 minutes of working out before he was done. That was I your mean, workout. I never said Sorry. I mean, I've been eating like shit for right today, but you're hey. You're drowning coffee while you're doing it? I drink coffee, yeah. yeah. While you do it. That's insane. I always drink coffee and drink water while I'm working out. That's insane. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. He did. It was like $4. Uh, One. No, it was two seventy-seven. No, it was three seventy-seven. It was three seventy-seven. No. This is a special fucking cool press. Hey, you fucked up. Should got that Pepsi. I didn't need all that unnecessary sugar. Whatever. You guys got anything else to say? Are we good? I think we're good. Always sunny thing when I was in Philly. Yeah, with the. Uh, uh, and I was like, I won't pay full price. The haggling. It's funny. One of my favorite lines from that episode. Charlie's like, this thing tastes weird. He's eating and, it with a sticker, right? Huh? You already said that. He's eating it with a sticker on it? Yeah, well, well, Mac, like, checks it out and he's like, oh, man, he's like, this thing's not ripe. And he's like, he sold us a, a fucking bum pear. Or and he goes to him and he's like, hey, Bozo. He's like, you sold us, a, like, a, a bum pear. And he's like, you picked it out. Oh, dude, it's like the greatest line delivery. I laughed, uh, in the Joker when, what did De Niro say, dude? That was funny the way he delivered that. Which one? He's like, it's good. <laughs> Remember, he's, he's talking about. He's like, I want you to call me Joker. He's like, it's good. He didn't care. It reminded me of Danny DeVito in front of It's Always Sunny. He looks just like Stallone in that movie. How Stallone looked. They're, they have the same head. Like I couldn't tell their heads apart now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. DeNiro was looking a little heavy in that one, wasn't he? You hear about Aubrey Plaza and that comedy movie that DeNiro's in? She like pinched his nipples, oh. and he was just like. He's just like, no. He's upset about it? Yeah. What? Yeah. Not important. Why? What's up? Not important. Huh? Oh, nothing much. Just, just, just to be like, hey, man. Oh, hey, I gotta catch my friend. Yeah, I'll see you. Hey, what's up? What do you want? That guy was trying to stop me to talk. Not that many people out here right now. We find who you're looking for? Not really. Go back inside. We don't have many people out here this time. Hey, is this your first wasteland? 
Yes, it is, Mr. Parka. Do you like it? I like it. Yeah. Except for it's kind of dead right now. Yeah, it's been yeah. Like getting the, slower every year. The crowd's been a little thin, but I got to interview J.R. Bookwalter, which cool. was awesome. Um, I got to interview James L. Edwards and Fred Vogel. All right, see, there Just for you fun, go. though. So. Yeah, see, there you go. And he has a fancy camera. I'm feeling really intimidated. This is right not now. fancy at all. It is way fancier than my iPhone. No, your iPhone shoots better. I used to shoot on an iPod, and then it broke for a wasteland. So I have like I have so, three of these. So there you go. That's Mr. Parker's secret right there. These are actually pretty cheap cameras. But I have three of them, so I can do like three camera setups. All right, there you go. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. It's only like 1230. It's thin, but I, and this is more of my crowd. I'll say that. Uh, you can hula hoop. Very grindhouse, independent horror, uh, old school horror. You have a you have a podcast, right? I do. I have a podcast. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm, I'm now a freelance podcaster. I feel like I've guested on everybody's show, but I do have in the mic of madness, which is just a horror podcast. And I also have SOBs who love SOB okay. with Slade Shepard, and uh, we are going to add in Tony Masiello very soon. Nice. And uh, we talk about shot on video. Shot on Shittio? So, yes, Shittio. You should definitely do an episode of movies that everybody thinks are SOB that aren't. Like Truth or Dare. What? Actually, I was going to say, so the very first movie that we did was a, it was a super great movie. It was uh, Michael Rasso's The Basement. Yeah. And that was the first thing he said. He's like, uh, you know that's not really shot on video. We're like, yeah, whatever. It, it was know. edited on tape, probably, though, and then the elements were lost, so it'll always look like it's SOB, right? Well, that was one that was found. They, like, it, like they had, like, you know, the silent eight. Well, I think they had recorded audio, but the audio was gone or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, but that was, here's the fun fact I got to throw in with J.R. Bookwalter, like I just said. Uh, so... We aren't really shot on video because Jared dead next door. That camera was the camera that Michael Rasso used for the basement, and he and fucked up the audio, and that's why it was lost. That, that was almost super uh, SOB, though. Dead next yeah, door. Yeah. They almost did SOB, but then I they mean, changed the Super 8. But yeah, it doesn't matter to us. The spirit's the same. The spirit. What well, was uh, Dead Next Door was what the biggest uh, Super 8 movie at the time ever? Yeah, and like if you don't look it up, if you don't know what it is, people like. I mean, the, the if they're watching this, they do. Yeah, they know it. Like, yeah, that is true. Oh, oh is this my beer? Presentation beer. Look at that. When you're a media darling, everybody, up, people just bring you beers. It's a they logger too. They don't pay you anything. I make zero dollars and zero cents, but I get a beer. Yeah, you don't make anything. No, I don't. I would more if I had more than two. Yeah, I remember a couple years back, this like would be like shoulder to shoulder. So everybody was I'm just like, like I went out to Bad Smokers, and I'm like, what? You, what? Oh, I went to Bad Smokers. Like, yeah. see, this is like just like good Smokers Corner. Like, you just have the cigarettes and the ones out there, and you're like. Doing shots. And yeah. But uh, there's nobody out there. That's okay. Can I plug my band? Yeah, sure. Whatever. I drift on River Six and then I listen, listen to it. I didn't hear what the word that guy said, but he was super nice and happy. He said he wanted to plug something, but I couldn't hear anything. Because I'm deaf. 
Uh, well, you may be deaf, but... He was soft-smoking? Yeah. He was quiet. Oh, no! no. <laughs> he was quiet and he was drunk. I ran into one of those last night, and today I was like, Hey! Remember me? And he's like, looking at me like a deer in headlights. And I was just with it. Like, I even told him last night, he's going to... I'm like, what's your name? I, still, I don't even know what it is. And, and like, I'm, I'm like shaking his hand and he's like this. And he's like, it's I, I work in a factory and everybody that starts who's young, they're like, I'll be like, dude, scream. Just scream. Yeah. I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah. And we're all deaf because we've been working next to heavy machinery. But like when I met him, I'm like, hey, it's Pigeon. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I told you. I'm like, I'd remember you, but you would not remember me. Which guy is it? <laughs> Tonight, which is really surprising. Man, he's drunk. Oh, it looks like more people are coming out to the... Uh... I just slap that guy in the ear. You see that? I wonder if the thing that... Uh, uh, that. Movie right now? Nah, she did that uh, Midwest shit. Like they, there was another. She did a con. Like or she and some other yeah. people did a con. Dave Parker, number one YouTuber for exploitation horror reviews. Go check him out at Mr. Parker YouTube on YouTube. Best best exploitation uh, Blu-ray reviewer ever. Thanks. But I bet they already are watching this. So they don't. <laughs> I'm not going to put it on someone else's channel. Yeah. Thanks, though, man. I appreciate it. It's hot in here, man. It is. It is. It is. Take it easy, buddy. Yeah, you too. You too. My hands are all full. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see that prank with the, uh, I know, the vampire. I know. I want to see that. All right, here we go. Might as well get Captain Spaulding, right? What? Got, you got something to say? Well, I'm, <coughs> I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time with Wasteland, and his costume hit get as a tribute. You know, of course, as an in tribute of the late great Sid Haig. And um, I, I'm actually very happy the way it came out. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Where's your John Wayne tattoo? Don't have it. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to go get one right uh, now. No. I'll get the guy. Come on, let's oh, go. No. Yeah, good, good. We'll pick up the fried chicken while we're at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you, man. If you want, if you want, I actually got the time to work Yeah? Give me a little bit of it. Well, back up. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are about to enter the world of darkness, the world where life is dead, meaningless, and On your right, you can see the infamous Albert Fish, massacre's saddest child killer, and most importantly, Crazies, 
psycho playing field is the game key. Mr. Keane enjoyed playing with dead bodies of women, especially their sexually organs. <laughs> now, one of our local heroes, S. Quentin Quill, a.k.a. Dr. Satan. Pacifist, Murderer, torturer, most importantly, master surgeon. Mr. Quayle was an intern at Willows County Mental Hospital, nicknamed Weeping Rivers for the never ending cries of pain. Mr. Quayle believed he could create a race of servers from the mentally ill. Vigilante justice prevailed and took his ass out hunting. That hanging to make it. No more stones throw away for y'all's ass to see the right hand. The next day, his body was going to be missing. To this day, no place Dr. Satan has ever been discovered. Then who knows? Maybe in his next door. You! Tours of Exit through the door. <laughs> Good job, man. Took some memorization there. Yeah. It's called it's called that scene. It's called that scene's on YouTube, and I watched it over and over and over and over and over again. But, yeah. but to get the memorization, the memorization, the eyes, yeah. the eyes, the head move. I mean, I did. Yeah, it's like it's not only just the speech itself. It's it's. I mean, Sid's face. Yeah. I mean, if you watch the scene, Sid's face. I mean, Sid's face. I mean, it's like they like get the mannerisms down. That was the other part. Yeah, he's. That's a great scene. Yeah, I best, yeah. I, well, I mean, it's just Trigger Studios sells a Captain Spaulding official license costume, and it's yeah. the clown suit. Yeah. I didn't want the clown suit. I wanted oh. to do the murder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a cool one. Thank you. Yeah. Had the hot dog shirt too, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah, the hot, actually, uh, the hot, dog, the hot dog shirt and the clown pants came, in, came as a package. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Like, I was wondering, like, if you had to find a hot dog shirt out in the wild, that would not be an easy find. <coughs> actually, actually, it's not that hard. Really? I mean, a lot of hot dog shirts? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah. the, it's like an official one. Yeah, 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 yeah. The thing on the, I mean, it has the thing on the back, you know, if I want to hear from Athletic Park. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Sure, thank you, David. I was, I was wanting to do that. For I can tell, I can tell, I can tell. <laughs> thank you, thank you, David. He gets the kick out of it. He puts a lot of effort into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. So are we. We're all going to be friends. I don't think there's anybody out here. There's art. <laughs> Damn, that's not the group I'm looking for. Why not? <laughs> A little dick? Oh! A little. Oh, here we go. You decided that you wanted tacos and you fucking. What's up, man? When I go on a mission, I fucking Taco Bell, man. That's what the yeah. fuck is up, dude. You're using a fork on Taco Bell? Dude. You're fancy. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Aren't you a chef? I am. Yeah. Do you ever like you feel embarrassed to eat fast food, or it's delicious? Hey, man, we all eat it. Got to eat. It's delicious, dude. You got to eat. You got to eat. And yeah, fast food at this time is as embarrassing as it is. It's delicious. It's. It's goddamn delicious. I scarfed down 24 wings, so I can't talk. You did? Yeah. Well, you guys are actually here. Where'd you get them at the hotel? No, no. There's a this place called Johnny's Pub and Grill. Uh-huh. I heard it was good. The wings were okay. Okay. I mean, not the best, but they were solid. <laughs> They're good enough not to complain about them. One of the places I shop at is actually down the road. Yeah. A couple miles called Canteen Bar and Bottle Shop. They good? Yep. They got good wings? We have something called pork wings. Yeah. It's a pork little, one. It's, like, it's a little pork shank. Shaped like a yeah. wing. It's fried like a wing. You eat it like a wing. But it's a little baby pork shank. It's the fucking greatest thing. Good. Yeah. Every restaurant I go, I get like the three same things. I always get chicken wings if they got them. Yep. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm just like. I'm a chicken wing connoisseur. Yeah. yeah. I love chicken wings. Best chicken wings, then. Yeah, Best yeah. chicken Our wings. Beans and cheese. Yeah. Like My favorite chicken wings right now are at Crust in Tremont. Where's that at? In Tremont in Cleveland. Okay. Okay. So what's it called? The place? Crust. It's Crust. a pizza place. Okay. They're my favorite wings. Them or Southside. Crush. It's kind of a tie between the two. Okay. Because yeah. I'm not too far from that. I'm in, I'm in Toledo, so. Oh, right on. You drive through. I drove farther for stupider. <laughs> yeah, I'm local, man, so I drive home every night. Yeah. 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 Isn't it so good? It's called Johnny J's. I don't know. What? No, Johnny. What was it called? Johnny J's. It was called Johnny Chew's Bar and Grill because I knocked on the shower. I was like, you want to go to Johnny J's? And you're like, Donnie's Pub Bill or some shit? Public Grill. Public Grill. Yeah, I thought he yeah. said Donnie's Public Grill. <laughs> Who the fuck's Donnie? <laughs> no, hey, 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 Donnie, dude. It's definitely Donnie from Bully. I'm going to film you guys eating. This is like the most exciting thing that happened. <laughs> this is live Taco Bell review. Dude, we got a shitload of tacos Is I had a McDonald's toy of Rasputin. Was that from uh, Anastasia? Yeah, it was like he was like a little little guy, and like his like head and arms fell off, and like connected by string. Rasputin action figures. Yeah, it's like it's like that. I don't know. That's just so weird. Like it imagine having weird. like a Winston Churchill getting it in your Happy Meal, and it just sits on the top of like. Or like, like modern, modern ones, like we got our Dick Cheney action yeah, figure exactly. here. Comes with shotgun <laughs> right. and, and a hunter's vest and it's one like, moon pack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what if they just did modern day politicians, right. like, or like people that were there? Like, hey guys, we got Gorbachev. Who wants Gorbachev? <laughs> like, like, like the stain like disappears when it gets warm or something like that. <laughs> I guess bowl. We got Ronald Reagan to fight Gorbachev too. <laughs> And uh, Gorbachev has the sickle. Like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome. But uh, there was like action figures that were like that. Like, I mean, like cowboys and Indians are kind of different in the term. Like, but they used to sell this like kind of thing. They had like Colonel Mustard or really. Yeah, I had him. 
Th- those make sense. Buffalo Bill and stuff like that. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm going to go off a tangent. Oh, are you going to tell them about the Thomas Edison? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was. I made this awful joke one time about what if they made action figures like that. I had like the Colonel Mustard, and I said that. Um, Oh, Colonel Mustard, Colonel Custard, Jesus, Colonel Custard. General Custard. Yeah, <laughs> I'm mixing Colonel Mustard and General Custard. Okay, but uh, there's these action figures, and I said, "What if they had Thomas Edison?" And like, I made jokes, and I said, "Like it was an action figure because Thomas Edison's son, when Thomas Edison was about to die, he, he put a jar up to his. This is weird. He put a jar up to his mouth, and he sucked his last breath and put it in there and right. like put it in a museum or something. <laughs> that doesn't work like that, but it's so funny um, that I said like. Um, have the Thomas Edison action figure. I said, catch his last breath. Don't let it slip away. And that was like, would be on the action figure. We thought it was really funny. Like, it's it's be a bedridden like, Thomas Edison. I, like it comes with a jar. A jar. <laughs> catch his last breath. Don't let it slip away. You could see that in his advertisement. But now I we're going way so off, way off. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, way I mean, off. I think this movie-